The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at NABC1927. That's nabc.com or NABC1927 on social media. Welcome back to Hoops, everybody. Time to pivot to the women. I am using the word pivot a few times because our friend Phil has noticed I was using the word pivot, so I'm using pivot. I'm going to use pivot as often as I can when I pivot to other topics. Got questions for us? Social medias are sitting there right there. We're also live streaming as well. Um, And we're simulcasting on YouTube and on Facebook. number of you watching us there, we appreciate it as we turn the corner to talk women's and our selections there. Reminder, we'll do it very similarly to the men, but we may come up with different decisions based on how we're kind of understanding the women to be doing a lot of these decisions as it were. So again, we'll have some conversations coming up with some coaches too, as we uh, spend some of the time there on the women's side, we will hear from Megan Campbell from Brooklyn and we'll be hearing from Nicole uh, Char. I forgot Nicole's last name, just drew a blank at Western new England, but we'll figure it out by the time we get there. Let's uh, turn to the uh, Hoopsville hotline and joining us there. It is Gordon Mann in the upper corner, uh, Scott Peterson in the other upper corner, Riley Zayas alongside myself and me. When we get to the board, we will certainly uh, have a better uh, read on who's who and where they are. But in the meantime, gentlemen, good to have you. Uh, Gordon, great time of year, man. And the women didn't disappoint. We had some great games, including the very last one coming all the way down to the end. But depending on what you were watching, live stats or live stream, you may have felt that game ended differently. Yeah, you might have uh, celebrated early if you were a Washington and Lee fan. You did... Good news is you got to celebrate about five minutes later. Uh, just a, a, a tremendous performance uh, in that game by uh, Schleuser, who had, gosh, what was it, 35 points and 29 rebounds or whatever she went. She, uh, the last regular season game of the year was the one with the most rebounds. So uh, she saved the, 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 ba- the, the best for last. And uh, a pretty good finish for what, on Sunday at least, was otherwise a pretty tame day. I know Gettysburg and Johns Hopkins was a good game, but I think we'll have both of them in the tournament. Aside from that, um, you know, no real damage done to the bubble, which is, you know, good for about 10 different teams who are hoping for one of about two different spots. Yeah, agreed. Uh, it was fun, to say the least. Um, uh, Scott, your, your thoughts on just the last week. I, I, I kept you on your toes a little bit, right? Yeah, it was really hard predicting bid thieves and analyzing which ones would be bid thieves. But I think at the end of the day, we had maybe three, maybe five, depending on how exactly you count them. And that was basically the exact number that D3 bubble was seeing on the men's side. And I think that largely has to do not with specific conferences, specific team strengths, but just how the numbers often work out. I think the median is right in that three, four range. Sometimes you have more, sometimes you have less, but those are outlier years. Good point. Riley, you're, you're, you're perch in Texas, sir. How'd you see it all turning out? Yeah, Dave, it was certainly a, a fun week. Conference tournament week is always a lot of fun. You just never know what to expect. And it was interesting as the week went on, we, we seem to see more and more of these kind of unexpected results. Uh, and as Scott kind of alluded to, we, we did see some bid thieves uh, come about, especially yesterday. Um, today, obviously, Smith getting that win in the new Mac 
uh, championship was big for a lot of teams on the bubble. Um, and that may have been the most impactful game of the day when it comes to pool C for the bubble teams, because had Babson won, uh, it was going to definitely cause some damage to the bubble. So you just love this time of year and all the great matchups that unfold. And I'm excited to see what, uh, what happens here in the next week with the NCAA tournament. Yeah, looking forward to it myself. All right, gentlemen, we, we at least should talk about quickly before we look at the table. Uh, we had to start to extrapolate ourselves and figure out who may or may not be uh, regionally ranked at this point. Um, unable to hashtag glean too much information from our committees. Uh, but Riley and Scott did some heavy lifting. I don't know if Gordon was involved or not, but would you guys, did you have any major changes that we should be talking about, Scott? The major ones start in region five. We have Scranton moving from third to first. Um, so anyone who beats Scranton could benefit from that, which I believe is um, only Catholic and Elizabethtown. Or just, just, and um, I can't remember if Scranton has another loss. And then we also pushed Gettysburg ahead of Johns Hopkins. That won't matter a ton since Gettysburg will be off the board with their automatic bid, but that does push them to a three spot, depending on how the committee is analyzing beating a three versus beating a four for any teams that have beat Gettysburg versus Hopkins. Then region seven, we had a lot of changes. We decided to keep Baldwin Wallace ahead of Marietta as they were in week three. Both teams took a loss since then. Neither team beat a ranked team. So Marietta gained a very small amount of win percentage because they went one and one versus Baldwin Wallace's 0-1. But we just didn't see a whole lot there to give us a really strong reason to think the committee will flip that for this week. We moved Ohio Wesleyan from seven to fifth. They beat Wittenberg. So we think they'll be ahead of Wittenberg and Wittenberg and Washington and Jefferson lost. Um, their first game, whereas Ohio Wesleyan got that ranked win over Wittenberg. So we feel comfortable with Ohio Wesleyan going to five. And we ended up moving Trine into the seventh spot. So Wittenberg stays in at six, but Trine moves in. Um, we put them in over Ohio Northern. We just thought there was a lot more there, especially after beating a region number one. But that will be a big deal because a lot of teams have beat Ohio Northern and would have a lot of implications for the region if Ohio Northern is the one moving in instead of Trine or if for some reason they both got in instead of Wittenberg. Region 8, Region 9 stayed the same, I believe. Region 8 was a tough one. Um, actually, we did move Carroll ahead of Illinois Whistling in Region 8, which is more of a hosting implication than any sort of pool C picks. And then the other big change was in region 10. We moved both Puget Sound and Occidental into the rankings after Cal Lutheran lost and help me out with the other one, um, Texas Dallas lost. And we just, we just saw both Puget Sound and Occidental winning their conferences, not losing in the week rather than I think the other teams went 0 and 1. Uh, we just, we think the resumes are pretty strong for them to move into the rankings uh, and there are some implications there of teams that have beat Puget Sound, like Illinois Wesleyan, like Willamette. All right. Well, I like it. Shall we uh, at least pivot <laughs> to the table and start looking at what we're going to do here early on? Again, we'll talk about who's at the table, and then we'll just talk about you know en masse who most likely were the selections out of the out of the bulk. But we'll we'll turn in that direction, shall we? 
And as we hit the table, we should point out, oh, forgive me, I got to get rid of a screen off of mine. Um, we have out of region one, Bates at the table, out of region two, Springfield, Skidmore out of three, Arcadia out of four, Catholic five, Emory's in the six region, Hope in seven, Illinois Wesleyan in eight, Whitewater in nine, and Mary Harden Baylor in 10. And obviously some of these things are going to be very quick, but quickly um, for whoever wants to go with this, um, this is obviously how we start this off, right? We, we have one from each region. They're going to be picked. Some of this, as we said in the men's side, we'll hand wave at. We'll kind of get them in because we know they're getting in. But um, we got to start with this point and you get one from each table, each region to talk it all out. Um, I don't know where we want to start here, but obviously if you want to just carte blanche, just looking, or not that, I'm sorry, uh, at blush, just looking at it, if we were to select our first team, we should point out we have to start in Pool B because Pool B has an at-large selection here that may not be sitting here at this table because they're not regionally ranked. But, Scott, there is a Pool B because there's enough women-selected teams, uh, or I should say there's enough women's teams in Division Three who are not either in a conference with an automatic bid or are independent, and that is the key. And so we do have to make a Pool B pick, but it's somewhat obvious. I believe it is. So you caught me a little off guard in case Sorry. it has for some reason changed. But I believe Berea and LaGrange would be the two under consideration. And Berea, I believe, is better in almost every category. Their SOS Definitely. is just a tiny bit lower, but better common, 2-0 and head-to-head. 150 points or 140 points of winning percentage. I think we will see Berea out of the CCS Collegiate Conference of the South claim the Pool B bid. Anybody's got a problem with that? We will put them in. Very good. Then so there they are. We have put them on our Pool B selection. So Berea is into the tournament. All right, now we go to the Pool C and we have these teams sitting here. Uh, anybody want to just make a, an argument right out of the gate? Who your first pick would be? Again. A lot of these are going to come right off the table quickly, but who would be the first pick based on the data we have in front of us right now for these two or for these uh, 10 programs? Yeah, I think Dave Whitewater is is kind of that first team that really jumps at you with, with the balance in their resume. I know they don't have the highest wing percentage on the table, but sitting there, you know, eight, you know, sitting there where they have, uh, you know, the 846 win percentage, obviously the strength of schedule is, it, is the best on the board. Uh, Whitewater really sticks out there. I think they're going to be obviously a hosting resume. Several teams on this board are going to be hosting resumes, but Whitewater is a, a top three resume nationally, um, top three of five. And so I think it's going to be a pretty easy to pull them off the board first. Anybody else have any other thoughts to add to that? Cosine. Cosine. Very nice. All right. So the first team would be just for, for practical purposes – Sorry, I'm looking for my caps lock. Sorry, who did you say, Riley? I had brain fried. Whitewater. Whitewater, yes, thank you. Duh. Um, but at some point, there's got to be a group of these because we got to save some time. So we know a bunch of teams are going to come off the table, most likely with their resumes here. By the way, Whitewater comes off the table. Who does replace them? Just uh, Scott. I don't know who's updating that, by the way. I am. Wisconsin Oshkosh. Ah, Oshkosh, of course. Um, all right. Do we have a, a group? Do you guys have a group of teams we think are going to come off uh, to a reasonable level? I do, but we haven't talked about it beforehand. <laughs> I think there's a fairly clear group of five that will come off in some order. And I have Catholic, Bates, Wisconsin Oshkosh, Johns Hopkins, and Illinois Wesleyan. 
Anybody got a counterpoint? Everybody think otherwise? Completely agree on that. Okay, I had, uh, hold on. Catholic, Bates, Oshkosh, Hopkins, who? Illinois Wesleyan. Oh, okay, yes. Uh, Bob can rest easy. They're not waiting to the end to be picked, the Titans. All right, so if you're all good with that, we will hit save and, and pull them off the table. All right, they're gone. There we are. So they've been updated on our sheet, on our panel on the side there, as you can see. Whitewater Catholic, Bates, Oshkosh, Hopkins, Illinois, Wesleyan gets us to pick seven. Bates, Springfield, Skidmore, Acadia. Oh, no, i got to wait for Scott. He hasn't updated. I apologize. I'm rushing Scott there. That's my bad. Sorry, Scott. Um, he's putting them in. Um, and as you can see, as he's putting them in uh, on our system, it's starting to change. So Trinity, Connecticut now moves to, to the top of Region 1, or at least to the table. Springfield remains there in 2. Um, Messiah then jumps in on Region 5 after Johns Hopkins has left Remember, regional rankings, folks, if you're just tuning in, uh, anybody who's got an AQ, we've already removed. So it's the next one at up who's gotten at large capabilities. Uh, Milliken jumps in at eight. Um, con- who am I missing? Concordia Moorhead jumps in at nine. So you're making the argument, and we'll go back to the regional rankings, that Dubuque can't get ahead of Concordia Moorhead. Concordia Moorhead's going to stay in that spot in Region 9. I think you're talking about Loris, and because. Oh, sorry, right, Loris. Moorhead ahead of Loris in week three, and they both went, I believe, one and one, did not have a ranked win, did not see a reason to change that. Makes sense. Just wanted to confirm in case anybody was wondering at home. Um, So it's now Trinity, Springfield, Skidmore, Arcadia, Messiah, Emery, Hope, Milliken, Concordia, Moorhead, Mary Harden, Baylor. Anybody want to make an argument on who should go next? Trinity, Connecticut's got our... Uh, lowest win-loss percentage, but highest SOS. Skidmore's got our lowest SOS, and Hope's got our best winning percentage. Don't all speak at once. Riley, you got a thought on who should go next? Yeah, Dave, you know, when looking at this, I, the one thing that, that Scott and I have been talking about a lot is, is we kind of try to break some of these teams down. Um, I'm, I'm sure Gordon would, would agree on this. It seems like the committees really want – some balance out of their resumes um, earlier on. And, and so I think w- what we're looking for here is some of the balance. So obviously you see Trinity Connecticut there with that extremely good strength of schedule, but the win percentage is low. And, and I don't think that's a, a resume that comes off the board at this point in time. Uh, but I think, you know, some of the resumes that, that stick out uh, Springfield, obviously with that 815 win percentage, the 569 th- strength of schedule, the win over a region number two, um, you know, I, I think that's a, a, a you know valuable there. Um, you know, hope obviously the, the win percentage sticks out there. The five forty five SOS uh, seems a little low, but but four and two VROs. Um, hope Springfield Milliken all stick out to me, uh, but I do think as you're starting to look at the strength of schedules here, Concordia Moorhead also needs to be in that conversation with the eight hundred win percentage. 550 strength of schedule but again it's going to depend on how the the vros are evaluated with that one and three so my three right now would be springfield hope and milliken if we kind of want to debate those i would have the same three and i don't have a good feel for how the committee will value one win versus a regionally ranked opponent i don't think anyone in the top 16 had only one win but I don't consider that to be surprising. And then we saw lots of teams ranked that had one or zero, but they were usually next to other teams that had one or zero. 
And so at this table, when you're comparing Concordia Moorhead and Arcadia to some of these other resumes that have, most of them have at least two additional wins VRRO, I don't really know. Um, are they, is the committee going to have those wait a long time because of the VRO deficiency or do they have their reasons to like, look at the resume as a whole and value it um, closer to say a, a Skidmore or a Mary Harden Baylor. I really don't have a feel for that. Why is Messiah not in this group? Because if, if, if Springfield is. I mean, I would say I, the, I, the VRO, they have fewer wins and their best one is worse. I was going to say the best one being a five, I think is, is a pretty important note there within the VROs. And I saw lots of clues from the regional rankings and the top 16s that the women's committee is looking hard into those specific results. And Bethany said as much in the interview earlier. And so I think Messiah will wait just a little bit longer. Yeah, I, I, I got the same sense, Gordon. When I, I saw the regional rankings, especially the last one out where Messiah was sitting, it felt like they weren't getting a ton of push for what they had done. They, they didn't play a lot of top-end teams where it gave them any credit, They, which just seemed like an odd year maybe. Maybe it was a conference. I'm not sure what, but they weren't getting a lot of push, so I think Messiah just didn't get the, um, the emphasis they got in the past, and so I think they're going to have to wait a little longer. They ultimately are probably getting in. Oh, not probably. They are going to probably get in. But, uh, you know, if you're sitting in the seven hole, I'm not sure that's where they they come off the table just yet. Makes sense. Or I have very... Between... Go ahead, Scott. I have very little between Hope, Milliken, and Springfield. I think they could come off the table in any order. I do have Emory and Trinity of Connecticut in this area. But again, those slightly lower winning percentage, but elite strength of schedule resumes, I don't have a good feel um, for how the committee will value them. They did not put Emory in the top 16 and that was before Emory lost a couple more games. So I think they're, I could have gone either way seeing them in the top 16. I kind of am guessing that the hope Milliken Springfield trio will come off the board before the Emory Trinity duo, but those groups will probably kind of come off together. Yeah. Anybody got a consensus of, sorry, go ahead, Gordon. I, I think Springfield and Milliken of the three are the two. Uh, Hope's strength of schedule separates them from them by a, a pretty significant margin. Um, Depending on what's being compared, Hope also beat Milliken head to head. I don't uh, think that 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 matters much. Which one goes first here? I don't think either are going to be hosting. Um, but Hope did beat them head to head. Right. So who are we going with? Uh, I mean, are we going to, I mean, we could, we could take that trio, Scott uh, and Gordon, if we want to take Springfield, Hope, Milliken. I mean, I don't know how much we want to get into the, the actual ordering of things, but. At this point, I don't think we have to overly worry about it. They're going to kind of come off at, at this, around this point. So I think we can feel good about, about those three. And I don't yeah. think the teams replacing those three would be part of the consideration before the whole trio comes off the board. I'm fine with that if you guys are. Saves us a little bit of time as well. Springfield Hope Milliken, it is. All right. And there you go. So we're through nine picks already. Gives us Trinity, Mass Dartmouth now, Skidmore, uh, Arcadia, Messiah, Emery, Baldwin-Wallace, 
Wash U, Concordia Moorhead, Mary Harden, Baylor. Now your best winning percentage is sitting there at Mass uh, Dartmouth with a decent SOS. Uh, Trinity Connecticut does n- no longer has the worst uh, win-loss percentage. That goes to Wash U, but they have got almost the best SOS. That still stays with Trinity. Skidmore still sitting there with a 518. And we should point out, we said this on the men's side, 500 really isn't kind of the demarcation line on SOS. I always find it to be about 520. So 518 is right there at the median. You know, 518 is sitting there at, okay, it's an okay SOS, but it's not great. Um, you're not horrible, but you're not. You're literally in the middle um, for Skidmore on that. Um, you guys want to try and do one more pick here? We do obviously have segments we can work behind the scenes with, but do you guys want to try and walk your way through a, another grouping? Do you think there's a grouping we can pull off the table? I do think Emory and Trinity are coming off next. I'd agree. Yeah, that's kind of my thought on this too. But yeah, I think Trinity and then Emory. Trinity again with a gaudy SOS, decent. You know, not a horrible win loss, but they do have pretty good results versus regionally ranked. And then the other one was Emory, who I thought was in some trouble, but obviously are not. Seven sixty win percentage, six hundred SOS. Again, pretty strong. Four and five, but they got that win over the one. That certainly helps. Um, and I think I'm that was okay being with, valued a lot by the women's committee. Like, yeah, uh, really top wins, and so I believe that win is Harden Simmons, Riley. Um, yes, yes, it was. Yes, yes. yep. Uh, so around Christmas time, that would be viewed, I think, very strongly. I think you could argue that Trinity's strength of schedule maybe isn't quite as elite as it looks because they have six losses versus ranked opponents, and they built that strength of schedule via losing games but i think the four wins vro and one of them being over region two demonstrates that they were able to beat top teams and i think the committee will see it similarly because that's what we're trying to do here right we're trying to guess what the committee will do regardless of where we would value these teams ourselves or where we voted them in the top 25 poll (laughs) um i agree I'm okay with those two. Gordon, any any overwhelming thoughts on that? No, makes sense. All right, so we will pick Trinity, Connecticut, we should point out. I would go Emory first, if it matters. Okay, okay, sure. I'll do it that way. That's fine. And I've hit save. We're working on different systems here, folks, so my saves don't coincide with Scott's or Scott's don't coincide with mine as we update different points of data. Uh, But that now puts um, different teams at the table for um, the seventh region. I'm sorry, the sixth region. Shenandoah comes to the table, by the way. Of course, in the ODAC title game, um, just to blink away almost from from winning it, but lost in overtime to uh, WNL. Otherwise, Bethany Danley would have been off the table for a while, or off the call for a while. Uh, and then Middlebury comes to the table. Middlebury's got the worst winning percentage on the table at 654. Um, but the best now SOS is Wash U's, who's got the second lowest winning percentage. Here's what I suggest. If anyone wants to make a cart, uh, just a, a, a blush look at something here, we can. But I think this is a great point to pivot towards one of our conversations while we all discuss things behind the scenes. But anybody have any thoughts right out of the gate now that we've got this table on what you see right now that you think this could come down to for pick number 12? 
Dave, I, I really think what, what we're going to see here is, you know, we got some some interesting resumes. Obviously, you talk about Millbury uh, coming to the table, very, very low win percentage, uh, but that that's with, uh, strength schedule above 600. Uh, you know, I think we're, we're seeing some teams here. Again, Wash U's another one, you know, win percentage below 700, uh, but a strength schedule above 600. A lot of regionally ranked results. Those are going to be interesting resumes to evaluate and how they stack up against an Arcadia or a Messiah or a Shenandoah who are all going to be considered or, or Corey Moorhead even for that matter um, as we head into our next pick. Yeah, also interesting, for example, Middlebury's best win is against a sixth regionally ranked team. It's right. not a strong results versus regionally ranked resume mm-hmm. uh, to kind of go along with that that win-loss percentage. Anybody else quickly before we uh, pivot out? I do think teams that we've mentioned already, Messiah and Dartmouth, would be in play here. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, we'll take a quick break. I'm going to jump on to the other camera here. Uh, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hear from Western New England. They're back in the tournament. Great to have them uh, since the pandemic. We'll talk about some of the similarities with that, but really how good this team really is and just how good maybe the Triple C was in women's basketball this season. In the meantime, we'll work behind the scenes, get a couple of picks hashed out as we move forward, trying to figure out who will be in the women's um, at, or in the women's NCAA tournament is what I'm trying to say. You listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com and our sport friends at Sport Tours International. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll hear from Western New England. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. I used to never really talk, ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. 
Division Three in athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue along on our Sunday selection special, uh, we're in the middle of women's selections already. We've taken Whitewater, Catholic, Bates, Oshkosh, Johns Hopkins, Illinois, Wesleyan, Springfield, Hope, Millican, Emory, Trinity, Connecticut into the tournament. Uh, that's 11 picks of our, well, and we should mention Berea too. So that's 12 picks of 22. We've got, we're working on pick number 12 behind the scenes. But as we do that, we get a chance on this show when we do these segments to, to also talk to some of our, those teams who have gotten into the tournament already. For Western New England, uh, they are punching their ticket once again since uh, 20, what was it, 2019, 2020, when they were in that large pick. It's good to have the program back. And Nicole uh, Chazer joined me earlier today to talk about the win in the Triple C, just how competitive the Triple C really was this season, and so much more. Now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of Western New England women's basketball. It's Nicole Chazar. Thanks for joining me, Coach, and congratulations. Huge win for all of you to get back into another national title since first time we've seen you since the pandemic. Dancing in March, you all have got to be thrilled. Yeah, thanks, Dave. But we appreciate uh, you having us on. Um, we are we're ecstatic to uh, to be going back and uh, uh, very happy with the results and, and raising the trophy uh, yesterday. First and foremost, I think it jumped out at me as a, this shows you maybe a little how much I've been around. I couldn't believe you're in your 19th season. It doesn't feel like that, but you, you've certainly been through the roller coaster here with Western New England, and this is a program that. I think maybe it gets a little overshadowed, even on the men's side. You, you, you've always built consistency. I guess it's trying to get to this stage that, that hasn't always happened the way you wanted to. Yeah, uh, I'm surprised, too. 19 years, it, it flies by. Um, you know, lucky enough Saturday that I had a lot of my alums come back and, and be supportive. And, you know, a lot of them had been to the championship game um, 16 not, and 17, losses, we go to no. back-to-back championship games, but just kind of don't get over that, that you know, uh, over that hump. And, and you know, a couple just, of them sent me some the text messages and, 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 and read those to the team. So it was it was very inspiring. Like, um, but yeah, I think uh, we strung together wrong, some just, some really some great classes and very excited. But you know, the CCC is a great conference, and you know, getting here is is very very special this year. Sorry, sneaking into the back of those camera oh, shots, sure. we see the title yeah, no, trophies. Think, uh, really yes. cool to see that well-positioned. This was a fascinating conference, and maybe I should have dove in sooner. because, I, And I think I didn't because I was a little skeptical of right. who to pick. Because you and New England, University of New England, finished a tie to top no the conference, 13-3 each, 22-5 and five yourselves, 21-7 yeah. and seven themselves. 12-4 and four for Suffolk and Roger Williams. Just a game back. Suffolk's got 20 wins this season. Roger Williams with 18. And Endicott was lurking well, at 9-7. and seven. Up, I'm more used to up. one or two of you kind of being at the top. Yeah. And then everybody else is fighting for the middle ground and maybe ruin some days. This felt very top-heavy this season. Oh, yeah. Yes. And down the stretch, every game was, was so important. Uh, you know, I don't think anybody really wanted to play each other. But no, no, I would no. say this year... By far, you, you hit it uh, very competitive down the stretch. Um, you know, I think towards those last two weeks, it was like, you know, 
we got to stay on, we got to stay focused, uh, was like, you know, if this person wins and then, you know, if this person loses, you know, how are things going to fall out? Uh, but yeah, I think very, very competitive year for us in the CCC all around. The other thing too about your program was you had some, maybe some losses that people dismissed that I kind of looking back in hindsight go, you know, there was some signs here that this was a really good team that was ready to break out. You you start the season with a 74-56 loss to Springfield. We'll talk about Springfield more in a minute. And I think it's easy to write there and go, okay, we're, you know, I'll, I'll touch base with New England, you know, Western New England later. You played Vassar, interestingly enough, uh, about 10 days later and had a 72-65 loss. And Vassar right now is a darn good 24-2 yeah. and two team. And so you went toe-to-toe with Vassar. And I think that's where it got missed because then Roger Williams a loss two days later. You're like, okay, so this is a team with three losses in its opening seven games. They're four and three. Eh, well, we'll come back to them later. And I think that was our mistake because you guys went on a long winning streak after that, lost to Endicott in a close game, lost to Suffolk in a long game, in a close game, but some long winning streaks there. It almost feels like that start really seasoned you all. Yeah, I think you know the the Vassar game. Obviously, uh, we had a we had a nice lead in that game, and, and we kind of let it slip. It was at home, um, but I agree. I mean, Vassar's you know they're having an excellent season. Uh, so that for us was you know hey we wanted to get that one obviously, but also prepared us for you know conference and obviously Roger Williams, you know Kelly does a great job. They're prepared. They've been you know, the front runner. Um, but then you talk about Springfield, we always open with them. It's always a battle. Um, so yeah, I think that really, really did prepare us. We, we felt really good about the year. We had, um, three fifth year players. Um, we had a lot of adversity, two of those players tore their ACL. So, you know, with Abby Garaban and Lindsay Carey. So after that, um, Curry and Suffolk game at home, we kind of had to figure out, you know, ourselves a little bit and, uh, we uh we really got on track and started a little bit slow, but um, I think we picked up towards the end of the year. And and I credit my team, um, just you know their focus and having to change a little bit of the style of our play. Yeah, I think the injuries is kind of you know you don't want to dwell on them enough, but you talk about um, the fact that Lindsay you know out after thirteen games this season, she was second on the team in scoring. If you look at it now, at ten point one points a game, but you had. Uh, Shayna Cooney leading the way at 11.8. You had Tara uh, Lajeni? Laujeni, yep. Laujeni. Uh, at 9.5, Lily Hedge, 8.9. These were players, you get to Abby then, who had started and played in 12 games at 8 points a game. These are players who all, as you said, had to kind of gain some more confidence, more experience. And I think that is even more credit to how many games you all were able to rattle off, especially in conference. You were tied with New England, but you swept them. All three games you saw them this season. You, you, this team really kind of found themselves. Yeah, you know, and there were some players that obviously had to, you know, step up that, you know, hadn't been playing a ton of minutes during the year. But when you read off our stats, it kind of talks about who we are. We don't, you know, every the ball's shared a lot. You know, the the scoring is very spread out, which I you know, we're, we're a deep team and when we go to our bench. Um, so I think that that certainly helped us. And, you know, I think sometimes it's, it's, we figured, 
we really figured out how to win, you know, and, and we figured out how to get through games. It wasn't sometimes always pretty. I mean, there was games that we were very close. We went by a point. We went by two points. We're down. Um, we really, really talked and stressed our defense and rebounding and knowing that, you know, if we can, you know, put that on our back and say, hey, we're going to show up to the gym every day. Our defense is going to be excellent. We're going to control the boards. Offense will come. And and we stuck around in a lot of games that we were down and and then kind of edged out with the last like six, seven minutes of the game. You also, yeah, you talk about sharing the ball. More than 17 um, points a game, or I'm sorry, assists a game. And it's a player we didn't even mention yet in Colleen Furlong, who's leading the way at three plus assists a game, 100 so far this season. She certainly wasn't the only one, but she's not the one that jumps out because she's averaging 3.3 points and three rebounds a contest, but then three assists on top of that. But but injuries can derail a program if you're reliant on those individuals in offensive positions. Yes, defensive, you can find people to find defensive places, but did you guys have to re-tinker the offense? Did you have to re redo what you were planning to do, or was it literally you got these good pieces, we're just going to plug them in? Yeah, I think uh, I love that you talked about Colleen. I think she's playing her best basketball right now, I'll be honest with you. And if you look at our stats, it's something that we we pride ourselves on is, is taking care of the basketball. There's not a lot of players that, you know, don't have that assist to turnover ratio in the wrong direction. But, um, yeah, I don't think we changed our offense. We probably controlled the clock a little bit, you know, a little bit more, um, you know, definitely, you know, focused on limiting other people's uh, opportunities to have and and – you know, and, and opportunities. So defensively we could be strong and maybe work the clock a little bit more offensively than we would have if we had um, some of those other players that, that, you know, got injured, but, but yeah, I think just the whole team in general, it's, it's a very, very tight team. The culture's solid. And um, the one thing they talk about is, you know, one unit. And uh, I, uh, I think that, uh, being so close as a unit and every player from players that play a lot of minutes to players that don't necessarily have the opportunity to get on the floor every game. Um, they work extremely hard together, which is, is certainly why we have been successful this season. And we should point out, um, this is a team that's got five seniors or graduate students on it, including Furlong, who we mentioned. But it is the underclassmen, ultimately, who we've been talking about, who, who filled into those holes uh, I'm talking sophomores and freshmen in that sense, even some juniors. Um, and that's, I mean, I don't want to look ahead of the NCAA tournament, obviously, and on to next season, but it's that experience that can provide some of the consistency we saw from your program before the pandemic, where you back-to-back 20-win seasons. This is, through adversity, you're getting a lot out of it. Yeah, yeah. And I uh, I think the experience that a lot of these players are getting right now, it's it only helps us for next year and the year after. Um, but yeah, certainly, uh, you know, the, those years of 2018, 2019 and 2019, 2020 were great years. Um, and we've kind of built, right. And we've, we've had some really nice recruiting classes and, and I think the work that the women have put in is, is really paying off right now. Yeah. The pandemic certainly had an impact on everyone in different ways. And it looks like you guys have figured that all out. Springfield's interesting. I don't think everyone appreciates just how many darn institutions are in Springfield, for starters. Um, Every time I turn around, I'm like, oh, there's another one. And if you go just a little further outside Springfield, there's a whole mess more. Obviously, you have a background at going to Springfield. You're an assistant coach under Naomi uh, Graves. 
and you obviously should play them every year but what's that nucleus like because there's multiple schools in that area multiple conferences it's easy to just play those schools every year which you do which is awesome but can that be a trap in some ways too like you, you your schedule's always the same we, we got it we're good to go no i you know i think the the area is very strong uh you know you have you know obviously springfield but there's so many schools in our area that uh that are extremely strong with coaches that have done have been there a long time and have done a great job. So, you know, I, I think it uh, consistency sometimes isn't a bad thing. Uh, you know, knowing uh, knowing who you're playing and, and knowing the coach. But we've also liked to go out to region and uh, out of region. And uh, we went to New Jersey last year, and because I had to play, obviously, Abigail Vance from New Jersey. But getting out of region isn't that bad. We we do we do enjoy that too. Oh, absolutely. No, and that's the best part. I just love that you always play the certain ones, but then you always sprinkle in these other games. And to a point, you have to play that game, right? You have to also see, as you did in 1920, get yourself in a spot where you could get an at-large bid. You don't want to just rely on that AQ. Granted, got it all checked off this year. Um, so there's a bit of a science there. It's easy to play the, the neighbor, right? But sometimes you got to branch out. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I think, uh, you know setting yourself up for that like that year and in, in, in 2020 we obviously had some some good wins you know we didn't have to go too far i mean everybody was was you know within a with a decent amount of time but uh but yeah you certainly have to set yourself up with your schedule just in case you you don't get to raise that trophy on saturday well and things are changing the triple c like a lot of conferences right now up in the upper third of the country is is going through some changes additions and subtractions and all of that so you're 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 going to almost have to reinvent what you normally do because the number of games you're playing and who you're playing and how it's going to impact you is somewhat evolving now yeah that's going to you know i think that's going to change i mean the conferences are obviously adjusting we're going to have a new um hartford joined us this year um you know they'll be in the mix next year and then we'll have uh johnson and wales the year after that so things are always adjusting and i think you know we'll probably adjust you know our out of conference schedule and and even see how things kind of work with our our actual conference schedule with having that many that many opponents curious you're a d1 you you went to temple uh i think naomi graves was d1 if memory serves right she was at rhode island yeah, University of Rhode Island. Yeah, and you were under her. Both of you have stayed in D3. Other than just staying in Springfield, you cheated. Um, but you both have stayed in Division Three, and for a long time. It, we know a lot of former Division One athletes who become great coaches, who come to Division Three, get their experience, and then. But they had a, their mindset was, "We're getting on to D1. That's where that's where I want to shine." What is it about this division? What is it about Western New England that that is fit so well for you that you've literally made this your home? Yeah, you know, I I've got a really great experience with Coach Graves. Um, you know, Springfield College is a great school. She's obviously a Hall of Fame coach. Um, so learning under her and and being a part of Division Three at that school um, was a great experience. I think that's what really pushed me towards division three. Um, after that, I went to the university of Rhode Island for two years. Um, and I was an assistant there. Um, but then this job opened and, you know, obviously being very close to Springfield, was extremely attractive to me. Um, the AD at the time, Mike Thulin, um, was a great mentor. Um, and I've stayed here for 19 years. The colleagues that I have have also been here a very long time. 
If you were in our gym on Saturday, the student body and the support was phenomenal. The gym was packed. It was a championship atmosphere. I thank my colleagues. I thank my athletic director, Jen Collins, our senior women's associate athletic director, Lori Mayhew. I think that support keeps me here. Um, it makes me feel like this is, you know, my family because, you know, I'm, I'm not from New England. I'm from Pennsylvania. So um, it's just a great place to work. And, and I love the balance that my students have being an athlete, but also being able to be in clubs and so academically um, driven. But uh, I certainly bring that division one mentality uh, to, to our women's basketball program. Yeah, I do hear that, though, from many a coach, uh, that mentality. It's not a bad one, for sure. Uh, a little bit of a different perspective. But understanding the student-athlete, right, is the is the paramount uh, part of that. Pivoting back, uh, all right, you're in the tournament. You know Monday you're going to hear Western New England mentioned on a bracket somewhere in a pod facing off against someone, likely on the road. Who knows how far on the road? Depends on the on the, on the the committee here. Uh, any any ideas? Any, I shouldn't say it that way. A- any preferences on where you all might end up and who you might play? No, and it's funny. Saturday, I got that question like you know probably a hundred times. Um, you know, my parents would love us to be in Pennsylvania somewhere so they could come and see. But uh, we're just we're excited about Saturday. We're excited for Monday at two thirty. Um, no preference. Uh, just uh, happy to be back in the tournament. No, it's great to have you all back. Uh, congratulations on a great season and emerging from what really turned out to be, I think, a better conference race than many of us appreciated from afar. Uh, and that's, I, I, I plead guilty. Should have jumped into the uh, Triple C a little bit sooner uh, okay. with, with our conversations. But congratulations. Well done. Uh, especially a one-point win. Uh, those can be nerve-wracking, right? Oh, that was uh, that was extremely nerve-wracking. Uh Great, you know, great championship game. That's how you want it to be between the one seed and the two seed. Um, but uh, extremely stressful. I think I got a text message that said, you know, uh, from my former athletic director at uh, at uh, the high school I was at, you know, he said, what was your heart doing at that last minute? And I said, I'm not sure it was even beating, honestly. Um, but yeah, it was a great game. Not sure if my body was working, in fact. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, who knows? There's, It's a blur. Well, congratulations again. Really appreciate it. Good luck in the NCAA tournament. Good luck moving forward, too. I have a feeling we're going to be talking uh, just a little bit about the Golden Bears in the years to come. In the meantime, we always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuned in? No, I just appreciate uh, you having us on and uh, uh, everybody, you know, uh, Hopefully a little live stream action and then kind of follow where the Golden Bears are going to be. They're a very fun team to watch. Thanks again, Dave. Oh, thank you, Coach. Take care. Good luck. And we'll look forward to catching up with you down the road. Thank you. Nicole Chazar joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline from Western New England. Oh, we clicked off our mic accidentally there, folks. Sorry about that. Um, great conversation with Nicole there uh, about Western New England. Great to chat with her. Appreciate her taking her time to join us. Um, I think that's a good team. Certainly a good conference. We'll see how it all shakes out. Guys have made a few more picks on our women's side, looking to get a couple more under our belts. When we come back, we'll see where things stand and uh, who's on the table and where we're going from there. you listen to the Hoopsville selection sunday special from the nabc studios thanks to our partners at d3hoops.com and um 
Sport Tours International. When we come back, we'll check in on the selection committee. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division three school, you primarily a student athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us, to, to stop, stop sexual, sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. 
Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization. Cut that off is apparently the ad was already coming back. So there you go. Sorry about that, folks. We're rolling on on the Hoopsville Selection Sunday here. Uh, getting ready to reveal uh, we've done some good work behind the scenes while we were talking to the uh, the Western New England head coach. Uh, my crew of Gordon Mann, Riley Zayas, and Scott Peterson. We'll go back to the gentleman uh, on which we were talking. Um, but we are not going to quite exactly uh, show you the results just yet um they joined me well I, I can go to this page here we go join you guys back here quick note by the way thank you to all you've donated we've made significant grounds uh we're 23 percent or yeah is that right yeah 23 percent of the way no 2.3 percent of the way to the to the ultimate goal i can do math um appreciate everybody who's been uh joining us all right guys um uh, i guess we should maybe pivot to show the uh, board but i can't because i don't want to give away the data so what I'm going to do is uh, I got to make a quick change. Give me a second. I, re- I reverted it. So that no, you did. Show. I need to revert on mine because I made I made the mistake on my part. There we go. <laughs> we'll go back to where we were when we left off. Trinity Connecticut was our last pick in. Um, Gordon, lower your camera, my man. We're only seeing the Detroit side of you. <laughs> no, that's uppering your camera. There you go. <laughs> um, oh, there you go. Hey, hello. Uh, gut shot, gut shot. Grandma, move back from the camera. <laughs> Perfectly done. Um, anyway, uh, training Connecticut, where we left off at 12, and that gave us Middlebury, uh, Mass Dartmouth, Skidmore, Acadia, Messiah, Shenandoah, Baldwin Wallace, Wash U, Concordia, uh, Moorhead, and Merriam Baylor, Scott Peterson, your ball, sir. Yeah, at this, with our next one, we'll just hit it right off. We went to Mass Dartmouth. We thought that having the highest winning percentage on the board, a pretty solid SOS and beating our region number two kind of made up for the fact that they only had that one win VRRO. So we put Mass Dartmouth in here at the 12 spot. You which can brings keep, MIT to the board. Yeah, keep on going, sir. You just roll through. Next up, we thought we took Messiah. So strong winning percentage, good SOS, two wins VRRO. Their best one was over a region number five, which isn't too solid, but we did like the the overall balance of their resume. Didn't really have any holes. And so we put Messiah in at 13. Then we kind of pivoted a little bit to use the word pivot again. We went with Wash U in the 14th spot. Almost the lowest winning percentage at the board, but overwhelming strength of schedule, win-loss, uh, VRO, and they beat a region number two. And among those wins just a lot of really good ones. Washu has beat DePauw, Emory, Wartburg, and Chicago twice. And we think that that will be valued by the committee. So Washu goes in 14th. I'm hearing a little feedback, Dave. I don't know if that's me or something else. And then in the 15th spot, we went Shenandoah. Fresh off a little bit of a disappointment there at the end of the game today. But we again liked the balance of their resume, very similar to Messiah. Shenandoah with Almost the highest winning percentage of the board, not really far off from Skidmore and Arcadia. Strong SOS, strong VRO, and they beat a region number two. And their losses VRO are against higher ranked teams and regions. So we were comfortable going with Shenandoah in the 15th spot. 
bringing Randolph Macon to the board. And then in our 16th spot, final one that we did off air, we're going to go with Mary Harden Baylor again, balance winning percentage, strength of schedule VRO and Mary Harden Baylor has beat a region number one, which was a reason that we took it. Mary Harden Baylor's resume over say Baldwin Wallace's or Concordia's or Skidmore's, which were also in the conversation. All right. Well, I appreciate it. So we're caught up. Uh, found out we don't have enough room to type out Mariner and Baylor. So we've, we've done the UMHB thing. Um, so that has Middlebury out of Region 1, MIT out of 2, Skidmore 3 in the Region 3, Arcadia on the 4th Region, Elizabethtown, Randolph-Macon, Baldwin-Wallace out of 5, 6, 7, Chicago, Concordia, Moorhead, Willamette out of 8, 9, 10. The most interesting one to the table, in my opinion, is Willamette. Reminder to everybody, despite what you might see for an overall win-loss percentage for Willamette, it is their D3 resume that comes to the table here they haven't played as many games but their win-loss percentage is 74 percent essentially the 537 sos and five and two versus region ranked opponents so their best win is against a four um curious anybody have anybody that stands out here on the data yeah dave i I think when when you just kind of look at this um obviously you know uh, Baldwin Wallace still has a, a nice, you know, well-rounded resume there. They beat a region number three, two and three VROs is is solid. Um, I, I really like that resume right now. Uh, well, Lama is interesting to your point there. Five and two VROs really stands out when you look at the rest of the teams that they're being compared to. Uh, obviously, you know, Puget Sound uh, winning the Northwest Conference likely uh, to be regionally ranked, regionally ranked for, you know, our process here, um, really helps Willamette, um, in terms of their, their win loss VROs. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the committee would, would evaluate a resume like that. But I think in terms of resumes that we're looking to pick at this point in time, I think Baldwin Wallace and Concordia Moorhead both stand out. Yeah. I think Willamette with the, among the lower winning percentages at the table, uh, the second lowest SOS would have to have a lot of work be done by the VRO category, which it's definitely doing some work. Five and two is quite good, but their best win VRO is over a four. So they don't have a really elite ranked win to hang their hat on to get you to push them up a lot. So I do think Concordia Moorhead and Baldwin Wallace are in play here. I keep going back to Skidmore. Um, I think the committee is, is valuing SOS a little bit more each year, but I don't think that rules Skidmore out. The SOS is above kind of a problem zone, I think, and they have strong winning percentage and wins via win loss VRO that I think is appropriate for the kind of spot that we are at the table here. So 17th pool C selection. So I would put Skidmore in the conversation. I don't know that I'd put them next over Baldwin Wallace or Concordia Moorhead, but those are the the three that I would be looking at. Agreed. I don't know that there's any common or head-to-head among any of these. Um, yeah, I don't believe that there is. Look, Baldwin, Wallace, and Skidmore would be the closest. Yeah, I'm seeing... Did Baldwin, no, Wallace no play common. Rochester? No. Skidmore did not. Okay. Because I know Baldwin, Wallace got up to upstate New York for the Rochester tournament. And I kind of like Baldwin Wallace here. Again, yeah, balanced I do resume. Too. 
They've beat our yeah. region number three, which is the best among this trio that we're considering. There's not really a, a part of the resume that you're like, ooh, that's not good. So I I like Baldwin Wallace here. Yeah, yeah that's I where I'm leaning. Yep. Let's do it. That's interesting because it brings Marietta to the board. And Riley and I had the hardest time like making sure that Baldwin Wallace would stay ahead of Marietta. So we think they have wildly similar resumes. I can't remember if there was uh, a head-to-head component that helped us separate them. I think they were one and one head-to-head, so there wasn't. So that means that if we valued Baldwin Wallace's resume almost identically to Marietta's, Marietta's probably solidly part of this conversation with also two and three VRO with the same best win I think a slightly higher SOS and a slightly lower winning percentage, but tiny amount different. <laughs> so I think it's almost the same conversation, but now with Marietta swapped in for Baldwin Wallace, and I kind of would just pick Marietta. Yeah. I don't have a, a good argument against it. Yeah, as you said, I'm not even... It's a Marietta beat. Who did they beat in the OAC tournament? I know they were in the final. Baldwin they beat, Wallace. They blew out Capital in the semis. So they, they did not add a rank to win there. Right. Mar- right. Marietta has added a loss. They beat Baldwin Wallace and Gettysburg. Right. So this is where if Ohio Northern is in instead. Yes. That yeah. That's what would flip where Baldwin Wallace would. Because one Wallace. of them has beat Ohio Northern twice and one of them has beat them right. once, I believe. Right. And then look, Baldwin we, we Wallace doesn't get help from trying because if trying's the team, Baldwin Wallace lost to trying too. So, right. right. Um, it, even if we're wrong by not putting in Skidmore yet, I don't think whoever would come to the table, I think it's Ithaca, would be in play. So, I don't think right. there's a whole lot to go on there. I probably would put in Marietta here and then pick through Skidmore and Concordia Moorhead. Putting in Marietta brings Ohio Wesleyan to the table, which also has a very interesting resume like Willamette's. Higher winning percentage than Willamette, lower strength of schedule, not as good VRO, but has beat a region number two, which is quite interesting. I'm still leaning Skidmore and Concordia Moorhead in some order over instead of Ohio Wesleyan and Willamette in some order. Do we think MIT is not really under consideration with the 704 winning percentage and two two and seven VRO? Because they've got a great SOS, they've beat a region number three, and their winning percentage is above 700. Yeah, I mean it's it, the win percentage is just really low compared to some of the other teams we're we're comparing right now. I mean, I can certainly see it, but you know, two and seven VROs isn't exactly standing out either. Because in the week three regional rankings, the committee had Middlebury ahead of Framingham State, which, you know, there was 250 points of winning percentage difference and probably 120 points of SOS difference. So, like, very large in each direction that they had to balance out somehow. But they did put, I think, a 680 winning percentage Middlebury in over Framingham State in, in the region one regional rankings in week three. 
So I don't think that necessarily MIT is written out at this point. I I wouldn't, I still wouldn't go with them, but I wanted to bring it up just because the SOS is so strong. They have beat a region number three, because if we're not talking about Elizabethtown or Chicago, really, then a three is a pretty solid win at this table. Yeah, I'd agree on that. Yeah, I would I lean think... Skidmore. I don't know if there are holes that we can poke in that with the lowest SOS at the table. Yeah, I mean, I feel like still kind of to your point, Scott, uh, I mean, they're their win percentage there. I, I don't think the SOS is is terrible. It's it's the lowest of the table, but I don't think, especially considering the fact that they did play, you know, they went four and four VROs. That's a solid number. Um, I, I don't. I think I think Skidmore's a good pick here, probably followed by Concordia. Uh, I think those two are look to be the next two to come off the board. Because um, as you mentioned, Scott, I think Ithaca would be the next to come up in region three, they're not going to be under consideration next round. Dave Gordon, m much more experienced than we have any holes to poke in it from listening the only, to committee talk. And the only hole I would poke at would be the, that SOS number and that their best win against a regionally ranked opponent is no better than fifth. Um, Because to I, me, they I, have the they have the quantity of VRO compared to this table. The right. quality is a little bit less than, but it's not very different from a lot. Like, you know, Concordia's best is over a four. I don't know that the committee's like, oh, a four is very different than a five. Um, but yeah, I just I don't have a feel for that, that SOS for Skidmore. I just wonder if Concordia's SOS, which hats off to them considering the conference. Is is playing going to play a role here? That's a significant difference. Granted, they don't have a ton of quantity, and they only have one quality. Concordia's um, non-carbons SOS is six ninety six, and Skidmore's is five forty five. I mean, I definitely see a case to to take Concordia here. Putting in Concordia is a much more interesting decision because it brings Loris to the table. The implications of that are, are larger. But we're trying to guess what the committee will do. And they put Concordia behind Stout even before Stout won the last two games of the WIAC tournament. I don't know if there's a ton of information there. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting because I think that would have been a block, right? If if what? If Stout had stayed, you know, not won the AQ, they potentially were going to run a block there. Potentially, yeah. If I think if Stout had just won the semifinal and lost in the final, we would have been taking them off the board. But if they had lost the semifinal, they still could have ended up ranked ahead of Concordia, and I'm not sure they would have been picked. So yeah, that definitely could have could have been a block. I, I I'm. The only reason I would I'd lean towards Skidmore is they've got at least a lot of games against regionally ranked opponents. The problem is it's not better than fifth in their wins, which means they had a as we said in the on the men's show, you know, you had ten bites at the apple and you you only really did anything with three of them. These guys at least did half of that with eight and four, but 
It's not like they beat anybody stellar. And there's nothing the committee can really do about Concordia beating Gustavus once. Because I think we all know Gustavus is really strong, but they weren't in the top 16. I don't think they're going to be ranked higher than fourth. And so there's you can't use the eye test. There's I think the Concordia really SOS with a win-loss percentage of 800 is where I would go. I feel good about that. Which brings Loris to the table with the highest winning percentage because it 50 points higher than Concordia's a little bit worse SOS, the same win loss VRO, but their best win is a seven. And I think that looks pretty poor. I got an idea. Why don't we got one more interview we can have here. Let's get first quick reactions to what we got. And then we can chew on this since we're down to our last two picks and figure out where we would go. But at least let's at least get our initial reactions to this, where we might be kind of thinking about it, and then we'll go from there we'll, with our last chat with uh, Brooklyn head coach Megan Campbell. But uh, go ahead, Riley. I know I cut you off. You had a thought. Yeah, you're good, Dave. I just kind of was was going to say, now we're in an interesting spot because Loris comes to the table, and all of a sudden Skidmore's resume doesn't look all that great because now Loris has the better winning percentage. Uh, so that will be certainly something to look at. But, yeah, up to this point, I think we've taken some good resumes. I think we've found balanced resumes that have played a quality and a quantity of, of good regionally ranked opponents. Um, you know, we, we have a good, uh, good list here so far, and obviously we got two more to, to figure out. Gordon, any thoughts just looking at it? Yeah, I mean, it's if, – if we like Concordia better than Skidmore, then I'm trying to think why wouldn't you like Loris better than Skidmore too? And I guess the difference is Concordia beat Gustavus and Loris beat whoever happened to be seventh in that spot. Uh, Elizabethtown. Elizabethtown, yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, I think Gustavus is clearly a better win than – in E10. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the differentiator. Um, something else for us to talk about, and we could do this after the break, is normally these picks have kind of stratifications where you feel like, okay, these X number of teams are locks they're in, and then the others are where we feel pretty good about them. And then at some point you draw the line and you go, okay, now I don't know. <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm not so sure. It'd be interesting to hear where we think that line is this year right is it here is it a pick or two ago uh, is it the next one i'll i'll uh, think we're right there to, uh, i think we're right here Scott. i think we're right there right, right. now okay yeah <laughs> well that was easy then <laughs> yeah I, I think we're there that's why i kind of went whoa it's a great stop point to stop because uh-oh um, all right, well, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk to uh, Megan Campbell, head coach at Brooklyn, on her team and how well they're doing and on to the tournament themselves. You're watching the Hoopsville Selection Sunday special here on D3Hoops.com and our friends at the NABC. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 yeah, programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. Uh, We've been covering it all for hey, over um, two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern no, to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. I Nobody asked for data from them or info like from we them do. Case, we're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. 
coach of the year. Yeah, I saw that right after I selected. All-America team. After I said Concordia, I said. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present. Honor the past. Look to the future. Oh, not muted. Sorry. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How it wouldn't change it for the world. We are calling you. All of you. We are calling all Division Three schools to join our cause. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing. Welcome back to Hoops, everybody. As we continue along, sorry I didn't mute my mic there at the break, but we're back. Um, all right, so we're working on the last two picks. A reminder, we've picked so far on the women's side, Whitewater Catholic, Bates, Oshkosh, Johns Hopkins, Illinois Wesleyan, Springfield Hope, Millican, Emory, Trinity, Connecticut, Mass Dartmouth, Messiah, WashU, Shenandoah, Mary Harden, Baylor, Baldwin Wallace, Marietta, and Concordia Moorhead. we got two picks left. We're working on them now. But to get a chance to talk, to Brooklyn women's basketball coach Megan Campbell. The team won the CUNYAC title on Friday. So they've been sitting back and relaxing, enjoying the fruits of their labor. They'll wait to find out who they're playing on Monday. But she took some time earlier today to chat with me about the team's success and championship in her first year. Now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of the Brooklyn Bulldogs women's basketball team. It is Megan Campbell, winners of the CUNYAC coach. Congratulations. I know that's a big deal to, to uh, get that 
feather in the cap. Just take care of this whole AQ thing and not worry about uh, sweating it a little bit on Monday. Congratulations. Thank you very much. We really appreciate it. And thank you for having me. Absolutely appreciate you finding time. Uh, Obviously, you guys played a little earlier. Cuniac wraps everything up on Friday. Um, That's got its pluses and minuses. The minus is you got a little bit more of a condensed schedule at the end of the season. The advantage is you can enjoy the weekend, right? Yes, (laughs) definitely enjoying it. Got past John Jay, 72-54. Previous game got past Hunter, 65-59. You've won uh, five straight, six of seven, and 12 of 14. Teams really rolling at the right time. Did you? Was there any apprehension, though, going into the conference uh, tournament that, you know, this may not be, may not, may not come to the end the way you want it to? Um, I think, um, obviously, every game we go into, we're expecting to win. Um, we did drop two conference games this season, one to Hunter um, and one to Baruch. So, so we knew that our backs were kind of against the wall. Um, every team's going to come out and give us their best shot every night. Um, so I knew if we came out and played our game, we had a really good shot to take it all again. I'm curious how earlier this season may have impacted the way you played the rest of the way. You went out there and certainly challenged yourselves. Uh, you, you beat Stockton, lost to Kane, beat Rutgers, Newark. And um, and St. Joseph Brooklyn lost the centenary, got into conference play with John Jay, got a win. But then you took on Smith and NYU, two absolute behemoth teams. Uh, you lost to both of them, but and and I know maybe not the way you wanted to. They they weren't close. You then got a win, and then you lost two more to Nazareth and Baruch. And and I can see how that can derail it all. Just just the the wheels come off everything. You've lost four or five. You've gotten beaten up. And the rest, it, it may be hard to get everybody's psyche back in gear and, and, and willing to fight it back out. How tough was that stretch? And what have you all learned from it? Um, I mean, it was definitely tough, um, you know, playing NYU and Smith. Um, I think it, it really, um, you know, it, it, we're battle tested at that point. Um, you know, going into the Nazareth tournament, um, we were really expecting to get two wins out there. Um, we dropped that game. Um, I think, uh, you know, our confidence got a little shaken. Um, we had a lot of new pieces on the team this year. Um, but after dropping the Baruch game, I think, you know, our seniors hadn't lost a conference game in the three years that they had been there. Um, so it was kind of a shock for them. Um, but you know, we were just in their ear, like, you know, it starts in practice. Um, the next, like starting the next practice, they just came like with a different level of focus um, for the remainder of the season. They really, um, you know, stepped up to the challenge and, you know, we kind of challenged them as coaches. Um, you know, what do you want from this season? If we want to be, um, you know, sitting with another championship, then this is what we're expecting of you. Um, and everybody really rose to the occasion. Super proud of them. I think the other twist of this too is you're in your first year as head coach you've been the assistant coach under alex lang for so long he retires or steps down from the program after 20 years at the helm this is really the first time you're going through it as a head coach the first time you're hitting some really hard adversary adversity uh, something like that uh as well it's you don't have necessarily alex to lead the way and i'm not saying alex was the be all but end all but that was your experience so yeah. to some degree, you had to, as a coach, also learn to deal with that as well. What was that experience like? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely tough. Um, you know, like I said, Alex, 
like Alex has built such a great program over the years. Um, so taking that on, you know, there's obviously a certain level of pressure that comes with it. Um, but I definitely think it helps, you know, playing. I've played within the program. I've coached within the program. Kind of made it a little bit easier. Obviously, you know, I look at Alex as a mentor. Um, we have a great assistant coaching staff. So it wasn't me handling all that pressure by myself. Um, you know, I was really able to rely on everybody around me, um, kind of talk through some things, definitely some highs and lows this season. Um, you know, points where, you know, you got to look in the mirror and be like, you're good. Um, you know, you just got to um, stay focused on the goal that we had at hand. And again, since then you've won 12 of 14. Um, t- you, you took advantage of this CUNYAC, you know, the, the best you could. Uh, yes, you lost to Hunter in New Jersey City in conference and non-conference play. Baruch was the was the end of that stretch, which was your second conference loss. So you had some bumps in the road, but still, 12 out of 14, not bad. New Jersey City's into the NCAA tournament as well. NYU's in, Smith's in. Um, you you certainly have played the, those challenging teams. So you had to have some confidence then going into the tournament that this is going to be yours. You could easily win this this conference, get that AQ, get it buttoned up, and be celebrating next week. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we had a lot of confidence going into the to the final game. Um, you know, it, I think um, we really stepped up, like I said. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about your team, though. Uh, Erica James leads the team at 12.9 points a game. Alina Estrella at 12.3, 8.2 points from Deer Dorsey. Um they all also contribute in many other ways. Speaking of which, Estrella, 100 assists this season, um, 57 steals. Uh, Dorsey's got 53 steals with 40 or 34 assists, and James has got 49 assists herself. That's a heck of a trio you've got. Yeah, um, they're great players. Um, Alina's coming in uh, first year within the program. Um, we've really challenged her. Um, we're constantly asking her, um, you know, just to do you know, things that she's not necessarily used to, um, you know, she wasn't all that familiar with. We've, we've really been focusing on like a zone defense this year. Um, she wasn't um, that used to playing it. Um, and then we just have constantly been challenging her within our practices. Um, and she really just, you know, put it all together at the exact right time. So proud of the way she's played. And then, you know, Erica James, um, you know, she's been a four-year player. Um, her and her sister were able to capture four championships um, within their time, which is incredible. Um, you know, that's not something that's easy to do by any means. Um, anytime she catches the ball, you know, I told her, like, you know, anytime you're open, you got to shoot it. Um, look to be an aggressive player. Um, and I think she's really stepped up as well. She just um, re- uh, became the third all-time leading scorer at Brooklyn College. Um, she actually did it in the championship game, which is, you know, Nice time to do it. Um, and then Dior, I mean, she's been amazing for us. Um, she had a good freshman year. Um, but same with her. Like, we've really been challenging her in practices. Like, you know, you really have a special gift. Um, you know, you got to take advantage of it. And she's done a great job as well. you got a squad that's got a lot of experience, as we pointed out. Though it's interesting you talk about the youth. It's a freshman and sophomore we were talking in that trio, along with James, who's the senior. But you're also willing to use a lot of that experience off the bench. You have played all but one player in 18 of the 26 games. You've played 10 in 20 of the 26. You're willing to go deep. Is that because there's just a a lot of talent on the team and you're willing to go deep 
Or is it because there's so much experience that you can plot them in spots to give the key players the rest they need? Um, I think we we definitely have an extremely talented team. Um, you know, our bench, I mean, I'd love to play everybody for 40 minutes, but obviously, you know, it's it's not something that could happen. Um, but I'm extremely confident within our entire bench. Um, you know, Aaliyah, Mary, uh, Bree, we got Destiny. Um, you know, they'll just come in, hit really big time shots at big time moments. Um, you know, Sandy and Shy, they don't get a ton of minutes, but they're two of the hardest workers on the team. Um, you know, I can't say enough good things about them. And, you know, we have Suli that came in this year as a transfer. Um, we've also asked a lot of big things from her. Um, she's really, really stepped up and embraced the role that we're asking her to play. I'm curious, though, because this is the time of year where a lot of benches get a little tighter because, I mean, I saw a team recently that is probably willing to go 10 deep in a lot of games, and they went seven in in their in their conference semifinal game, which kind of startled me. Do you have to battle that a little bit, that maybe we don't go as deep in this game because I need these certain players out there for longer periods or there's more on the line? How do you approach that that mentality or that or tackle that, especially with media breaks now coming up with the NCAAs? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely tough. Obviously, um, you know, you want your best players on the floor at all times, um, especially people that are putting up, um, you know, no, uh, numbers on the scoreboard. Um, so it's it's definitely challenging. Um, but at the same time, I find it somewhat comforting to know that, like, when I do put those players in, that – I mean, they always rise to the occasion. Um, so it makes it, it a lot easier. Yes, that is sure. You can look at the bench and go, okay, you go in. I, I, we've got confidence that this will work out, even if for, for it's two minutes to get us to a media break uh, right. and move on. Um, obviously, you could go anywhere. And I'm sure you don't have your druthers on where it is. But is there an ultimate goal here of getting past a first round, getting to a second weekend or anything like that? Or is it celebrating the fact that this is a program that has once again gotten to the NCAA tournament and gotten a conference title, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, um, obviously it's exciting to get the conference title, um, but it's something we've talked about all year. We definitely have goals, um, you know, to win games at the national level now. Um, Like I said, any game, uh, anytime we step on the floor, we're expecting to win a game. Um, so right now our goal is to just go as far as possible and, you know, see see where it takes us. You, you've definitely had some beasts of some teams every time you've gone to the NCAA tournament. Looking back at it, last year, Christopher Newport, the previous year in the NCAA tournament, it was uh, Emmanuel a win, followed by Smith. Um, you had Bowden the year before that. Back to 2018-19, it was Grove City. Um uh, 27, 20, 2017, 18, you had to take on a really good Cabrini squad. If you were going to make an argument to these uh, committees out there and say, hey, you know, give us some love, maybe not X, Y, or Z, I, I assume you, you don't want to hit maybe a behemoth right out of the gate? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, we're hoping for the best. Um, you know, anything could happen. Um, but. You know, I think we, we've proven that we could rise to the occasion um, when our backs are against the wall. So, um, you know, Emmanuel was a great school. We were able to get a win um, in, in that first round. So, you know, anything could happen in the tournament. Um, we're just going to stay focused on what we do. Um, come out and give whatever team it is our best shot. 
What's the reaction like on campus with with uh, winning the title on Friday and getting a chance to go to the NCAAs? Oh, it's an exciting atmosphere. Um, you know, all the girls are really excited. Um, you know, like I said, um, the James sisters, they've been here four times. They've accomplished it four times. Um, but you could just see on their face that it, it it's just as good as the first one for them. Um, you know, I just want to talk a little bit about Sarah James. Um, I know she doesn't show up huge on the stat sheet, um, but she's just like, she's the heart and soul of our team. You know, um, she's really embraced like everything we've asked her to do. Um, she's the heart and soul of our defense. Um, and she just brings a level of toughness that's unmatched. Um, you know, so, so we really appreciate her a lot. We're going to miss her next year. Yeah, no, I get it. Uh, there's sometimes there's those workhorse players or those, uh, what else we call them? Lunch pail players who, who just bring the lunch box, sit down, get to work, figure it out, or the glue that holds everything together. They may not get all the stats or anything like that, but then when they're not there anymore, you miss them. Um, I get it. I get it. They're just as important. Um, Coach, congratulations. Um, now, I mean, listen, it's tough enough to transition off of a longtime coach, even if you've been there yourself for a while, but to get the team um, back to another NCAA tournament with another CUNYAC title, tip of the hat to you. Congratulations. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we really appreciate everyone that supported us throughout the season, um, and we look forward to um, continuing our run at the national level. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Take care. Good luck. We'll look forward to catching up with you down the road. Thank you. Thank you so much. Megan Campbell joining us here from uh, Brooklyn. The Bulldogs on to the NCAA tournament here on the Hoopsville Hotline. And welcome back, everybody. Great conversation with Megan Campbell. Appreciate the time she uh, has found us there. By the way, some of you asking may have missed the news we said earlier why we didn't have the big name I said we would have for our women's selection committee. It's simply because uh, the individual uh, turned out had a conflict. One I should have actually seen prior. I missed it or didn't remember it or whatever, but that individual uh, unable to join us due to that conflict and to join us on the Women's Committee. They are bummed. I'm bummed, but it is what it is. Um, we, we The conflict was too much to get over, so uh, appreciate the thought. We'll figure it out in the future. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we're going to get to these last two picks. I'm telling you right now, folks, it has been very, very difficult. Uh, we'll talk to our panel of uh, experts, uh, Riley, Scott, and Ryan, uh, Ryan Gordon. We'll figure it out. You'll listen to Hoopso, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC studios. More after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. I used to 
never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. We are calling you, all of you. We are calling all Division three schools to join our cause. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Hoops Film uh, Selection Sunday special as we get ready to go back to the women's selections. And I will say so, as I have not put it up, but you might catch a drift when you see the uh, the um, data sheet, what we might have done. But I will call, quickly go back, Gordon Man, Scott Peterson, Riley Zayas joining me here on the call. And uh, gentlemen... We had to make a pick. We haven't quite finished this, unfortunately. Um, but we had to make a pick for twenty, and we and and Scott, we went a little bit, uh, went a little rogue, right? We did. I can write through this if we weren't. We went Willamette pick, which means that Willamette losing in this created a bid thief or would win the Northwest Conference which to be Puget Sound. Hold on a second. I got Flight Willamette. Hold on. Tell me anybody out there if you heard Scott sounding really strange. Riley, can you talk for a second? Yeah, Dave. Is this Yeah, good? you sound fine. Okay. Scott, Scott, try again. We went Willamette. Oh, there we go. You're back. Oh, thank God. Okay, continue. Go ahead. We're maybe, fine now. Maybe it was an internet blip. I live kind of rural. Uh, we went Willamette in the 20th spot, which, if we're right, means that Puget Sound winning the Northwest Conference was a bid thief. Willamette with the lower winning percentage of 739 and a lower SOS of 537. We both we didn't think that both that either were really bad. And so the five and two VRO with the best one being over a four kind of carried the day there. Now, a, lo- a lot of this depends on Puget Sound being ranked in week four because Willamette went two and one against them. And so that really helps them be five and two versus three and one VRO. But we went Willamette at number 20. All right. So there you go. 20 for Willamette, which brings in a really fascinating conversation because Whitman comes to the table with a 750 winning percentage, 535 SOS. Three and three versus regionally ranked opponents. Their best wins are three. Their worst wins are six. We still have Middlebury, MIT, Skidmore, Arcadia, E-Town, Randolph, Macon, Ohio, Western, Chicago, and Loris at the table. Skidmore and Arcadia have been there the entire time. We've had an adage on the women's side that sometimes when teams sit there the entire time, they end up getting picked. I don't know if that would continue necessarily, but it's something in our minds and obviously, we can only pick one at this point. Skidmore's got the lowest SOS at 518, while Middlebury's got the highest at 609. Chicago's got the lowest win-loss percentage at 640. And Loris has the highest win-loss at 852. Man, you could go anywhere here. And this is when we talk about splitting hairs. We are splitting hairs. Um, there's a part of me that could argue Whitman. There's a part of me that could argue Loris. There's a part of me that could uh, Ohio Wesleyan. Uh, Skidmore. My problem with even in E-Town, for example, is great. you got to win against a highly regionally ranked opponent, but that's it. Everything else isn't much to talk about. And I think we're running into that with a bunch of these, and you wonder where the committee's going to kind of hem and haw about this. Yeah, Dave, I think this is kind of an interesting conversation. We've debated it for several minutes kind of behind the scenes. Uh it's, it's really hard because at this point, you know, some of our teams, they're sitting at the table like a Loris where the win percentage is really, really good. The strength of schedule is solid at 542. They only have that one regionally ranked win. It's over a region number seven. Uh, that doesn't look particularly good. But then you go up and you look at a team like a, a Skidmore, right? They, they, you know, four and four VROs, but 
518 strength of schedule, which is the lowest at the table. Uh, it's really, really difficult when you're trying to look at the strength of schedules and the regional rankings, you know, the wins versus ROs, because I think that's a, that's the part where it's getting really hard at this point. Thinking back to the top 16s, I think based on winning percentage, strength of schedule, and VRRO quantities, that hope was higher and the sales was lower than I was expecting. But when you look at who those wins VRO were against, you can see a really good reason to push hope up and to push the sales down. And that I really think the committee is saying, how good of a team did you really beat among your ranked teams? Which is why I've been pumping the brakes on Loris even though every inclination I have is to put them in either here or a couple rounds ago. But when you have one ranked win over a seven, I don't think that will be valued very well by the committee. And I don't know if that's enough to bring them down from a very good winning percentage and a strength of schedule that is right in line with all the other teams that we're discussing at the table. Yeah. That's the issue right now is, is where the win percentage is at. Like you can see it's, it's better than anyone else on the table by far. But again, we know this committee is valuing who you're beating and strength of schedule. And those are two key components. And again, I mean, Loris' best win, originally ranked win is over a seven. Uh, I, I, I agree. I think that holds them back quite a bit in this conversation. Should I walk through the teams that we kind of weren't considering at this spot? We did not think that Middlebury and Chicago would get looks because of the low winning percentage combined with not a great VRO in its totality. They had a lot of opportunities and won about a third of them. And we don't think that that will be treated very well, even though the SOS is great. But when the SOS is great, you often get a lot of VROs, and so you don't want to give double credit for merely playing in those games. You want to see a team that can win some amount of them, even though if your SOS is so good, maybe you don't need them to win as many as a team with a lower SOS. We still think Middlebury and Chicago will not be under consideration. Uh, in a little bit of a similar sense, we don't think Macon will be under consideration. They, they have a less elite SOS, but also a similarly low winning percentage. Elizabethtown and MIT, we also did not consider could, because there just really wasn't a, a strong reason to pick either of them. MIT has a great SOS. Elizabethtown has beat a region number one, but that's kind of it for both of their resumes. And the, the rest of the resumes don't stack up well at this table. And we also thought that Arcadia would sit with only one ranked win and it being over a six and not having the highest winning percentage or strength of schedule at the table. If you're going to talk about any piece of criteria, you're going to pick somebody else. You're not going to pick Arcadia, even though no single piece of criteria is the worst at the table either. Which leaves us with Skidmore, Ohio Wesleyan, Loris, and Whitman. Skidmore has the, well, Skidmore and Loris are the higher winning percentage, but there's questions about some of the quality backing it. Whereas Whitman has beat a three and Ohio Wesleyan has beat a two, but they have lower, both lower winning percentages and lower SOS. So we're kind of having to pick between very different types of resumes and trying to divine what the committee is going to value most. And they're from different geographies, and I don't believe that there's any common or head-to-head -to, -head to help us out there. 
Yeah, I don't believe there is. Skidmore is two and two and zero oh common, and Loris is one and zero oh common. I don't know if that's terribly interesting when neither of them have lost to a common opponent, and I don't believe that there's anything else. And we've kind of already talked about this ad nauseum off air. I don't know what flashes of inspiration we're going to have. We're just going to have to to pick. And I, I think you said, Gordon, that you just think the committee is going to put Loris in. And I'm kind of leaning that way, too. It feels like a little more of a mental machination to get Skidmore, Ohio Wesleyan, or Whitman in than it does for Loris. Yeah, I just think at that point, it's Laura's win percentage being so much better than the rest of the teams on the board is going to really help their case, along with the fact that the 542 strength of schedule is, is really solid amongst these teams we're considering. Um, I mean, it's the best amongst the teams we're considering, right? Like, that's a, those are two big criteria. Obviously, you talk about consistency across the board. They're not valuing certain criteria above others, is what we've been told. But these are two big ones for, for Loris to have the advantage in, even with the one and three VRO. Yeah, that's my only concern is, listen, I liked Ohio Wesleyan a lot, especially that win over a two and their average is a four versus, for example, Whitman's a win over a three and an average of a five. Um, my concern with Loris is that it doesn't speak of quality when they preach on that but it they do have some good i mean the win loss percentage is hard to ignore um i think we were talking off air you know w and j last week getting regionally ranked uh with an above 900 win loss percentage i think at some point the win loss percentage is going to just be too ugly a not an ugly number but too big a number too big a elephant in the room to ignore is the 852 there it's certainly better than skidmore's 815 and it's better than the eight forty or the five forty two strength of schedule, um, so I, I certainly lean towards Loris, but I, I just the back of my mind wonder if it's if it's you know if they're going towards a little bit more like the men do it if it's going to be an Ohio Wesleyan. But again, at this point, if we get this one wrong, okay, so be it. This we are literally splitting the splitting of hairs. I think Riley makes a great point too. If we are considering these four, Loris not only has the highest winning percentage, they have the highest strength of schedule. And I think that will absolutely count for something, even if it doesn't reflect it in the ranked wins. It means that you are overall playing stronger teams and winning at a higher rate than the other teams we're considering. Uh, just for the record, and I wish my puppy was here after Gordon showed off his uh, cat showing up on the camera shot. My only kind con- Mar- <coughs> con- Marbles, uh, Marbles vote is for for Middlebury in case you were curious. Oh, wow. <laughs> really off the wall. Um, my only con- uh, counter to that would be, okay, great win-loss percentage, pretty decent SOS. It's above the median, but you played four games against regionally ranked opponents. Your best win was a seven. You didn't win against anybody else. Um, so your win-loss percentage was built on basically everybody in the middle. I don't know what that means. I, I don't. I just don't know what, what, what if that means that they should be in or not. And listen, I'm a guy who appreciates win-loss percentages. I think at some point in time, you got to give credit to the <clears> team who gets there by winning the games and winning a majority of their game, a vast majority of their games. 
So I've always been that side of it. I'm just trying to understand what the committee might do. Same. Baja Wesleyan's ranked losses are two to DePauw, who's a region number two, two to Wittenberg, who we have at sixth in week four, and one loss to Washington and Jefferson, who was sixth last week and who we have unranked in week four. So the the loss still counts, but they did tally some losses against teams at the bottom of their region among the ranked losses. Loris's three losses are to Wartburg, who we think sticks at number three. And but again, I, I also don't want to read too much into like the ranking of your losses <laughs> either. Yeah, that's a good point, Scott. I was just going to say, yeah, the three losses to Wartburg, I mean, that, that gives a little context there to the one and three. Uh, but again, it's it doesn't make it any better, right? Yeah, I mean, I think if you gave me a thousand dollars and said you have to bet on who the committee is going to pick, I, I'd put it on Loris. Is who I think. Well, why don't we just take a vote and go from there? Unless it's a draw for some reason. Uh, who's in favor of Loris? I am. So that's yeah, three. Too. It doesn't matter what my vote would be. Um, let's put <laughs> Loris in. No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just. I wanted to see what it would be, and then I would make my mind up. Yeah. All right, let's put Loris in as our final pick. And when it's not Loris, you can say that that was your pick, right, Dave? (laughs) Whoever it was. I did write down Ohio Wesleyan. (laughs) I have written down Ohio Wesleyan, just for the record. Um, Not sure that's who it would be. I mean, heck, Whitman certainly has a strong resume there, too, which would really make bracketing interesting. That was the thing Um, I was looking at is how do you differentiate between those, those two teams? But... I don't. I mean, I, th- I, the, <laughs> that's how I, for me, Loris's win percentage is what would drive the ship there. So, yeah. um, and by the way, Co would have gotten to the table, but not a great resume. So Since last year we picked Randolph Macon as our last selection at 19 and it ended up being Wartburg an ARC team this year with Macon on the board. We go Loris from the ARC and we will find out tomorrow if that and any of our previous 20 selections are correct. Yeah. The one other quirk that I think we, we should just mention here is region three had Skidmore there the whole time. Region four had Arcadia there the whole time. We have seen instances where a region has gotten quote unquote shut out by automatic bid on uh, that large bids. We have also heard on occasion committee members say, well, they were there the whole process. Although we think that's more of an aberration. So it would be weird to have two regions get shut out instead of one. Um, but I'm not disagreeing with the results that we came to with the. No, I, I'm with you, Gordon. I wouldn't be surprised if Arcadia or, or Skidmore happened to pop up on our screen. Um, hats mm-hmm. off to Arcadia's coach, by the way, with what she's done with that program. Um, but I think, I think when it's two of them, maybe it's better chance of it happening than that one who just constantly sits there. Yeah, might be easier to leave two off than one. That's right. Yeah, but we'll see. You know, right? I mean, we'll play this out and see where it takes us. Uh, all right. Quickly, with that in mind, quick thoughts on on hosts. Considering there's um, NYU, Catholic, maybe one or two others that the men are likely going to be having host. I'm curious who Scott? We'll start with you because I have a feeling you might have thought of this. Who do you think might be hosting in the opening weekend? 
So my assumption is that the committee will kind of seed and pod everyone as they wish. And if NYU and Catholic cannot host, they they would move it to the two or three seed in the pod rather than going down to your 17th and 18th overall seeds. I have no idea if that's going to happen. We'll see what Ryan and Pat think. But so NYU, I have NYU, Rhode Island College, Bowdoin, Transylvania, Whitewater, Newport, Scranton, Catholic, Bates, Wisconsin, Oshkosh, DeSales, SUNY New Paltz, Smith, Carroll, Wartburg, and then from Texas, Hardin-Simmons, which may pose some geographical difficulties that might lean Mary Hardin-Baylor. We will see there. And if NYU and Catholic cannot host, the kinds of teams that might be ready to host could be Gettysburg, Johns Hopkins, maybe if you go a little bit further down, Vassar or Messiah. By the way, we have guaranteed a Northwest Conference host. No, I guess we haven't, because they could fly them both out, couldn't they? Right. Yeah, that's a good so, point. I imagine both those will be flying. And so the wrinkle is with Millsaps winning the SAA, they can bust to Mary Harden-Baylor. They cannot bust to Harden-Simmons. So if Harden-Simmons has the much better resume than Mary Harden-Baylor, but if you let Harden, if let, if you pick Harden-Simmons as your host, you are adding two flights to whatever your current bracketing is. Because mm. you need to fly Millsaps somewhere, and then you need to also, well, I guess you could just one, right? If you fly Millsaps to the Texas pod. But if you put Millsaps elsewhere, they have to fly there, and you still need to get a team, the fourth team into the Texas pod. With Harden We have only two Texas teams, Trinity. right? Three. Three. Trinity, oh, sorry. Harden, right. Mary Harden, Baylor. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Right. The rest of the country has enough flexibility. Um, I, I loved hearing Bethany talk about they want to be creative. They want cross-region pods. So I'm, you know, my backyard is the Midwest here. And so I'm really interested to see we got to split up three YACs, three CCIWs, two MIAAs, two MIACs, and two ARCs. And three yep. NESCACs, and yeah. So I think it, it could get really interesting in the Midwest. I hope that they are super creative. But if the hosts are three Wisconsin hosts and Wartburg, you don't have a ton of flexibility. Yeah. Riley, thoughts? Where you, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, Gordon. Gordon, no, go for it. Yeah, go, go ahead, for it. Gordon. As I say, where you can get the flexibility of where we've sometimes come down a little differently than the committee is when you don't flip the pods and you have, you know, say you have two Wisconsin teams, a Michigan team, and I don't know, an OAC team playing and you get them, somehow you get the Wisconsin teams against each other or something or where you could just flip the pod and where you were traveling and you could put the, you could, you could mix it up a little bit so you don't have two Great Lakes teams playing each other and two Region 9 teams playing each other. That's where we've um, come up with things in the past and say, eh, you know, if you just, all you have to do is flip these two pods around and you have a, a much, you have a different matchup that you're likely to never see again. But the committee's been much, much better at that overall. Mm-hmm. True. But we've seen like Hope played two CCIW teams that are going to be in it and Illinois Wesleyan played Whitewater. So yeah. you, you can't have those cross region rematches in the first round which is going to make it you know a little more difficult right yeah i mean i I would just kind of add to that dave just just from my thoughts and point of view this is the first year in a while that i can remember we don't have an oac host which is going to make it interesting as well um especially if we get three oacs in which is we basically i mean what we kind of 
projected here. And we, we got Baldwin Wallace and Marietta in, in the early rounds. Obviously, Ohio Northern won the Poulet on that league. Um, the OAC, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with them. They can bust them uh, to a couple of places in the mid-Atlantic area of, of the country. Uh, but at the same time, we got some teams there, too, on, on the East Coast that they're going to you know, have places to go. So I'm interested to see what they do there uh, because I don't think that our OAC teams can get to the, the Midwest pods. If Illinois Wesleyan had been hosting, there was a chance – that there was one or two OAC teams that could get there. Uh, but if Carroll ends up hosting over Illinois Wesleyan, that that's not going to be the case. So something interesting to keep an eye on there. And yeah, the Midwest is going to be interesting just because there are so many teams from the same conferences, right. That, that they're going to have to split up. So uh, going to be interesting to see what the way the bracketing looks from that standpoint. No, oh, great point. That's a great point. Um, you almost wonder if because of some bracketing nightmares they may face, say you could take a Catholic pod if you do it right and move it to an OAC team. Right. If you if you potted it right without, you know, maybe you got to move a team or two around and make it work, but that's what you could do. You could send Catholic to, say, Marietta. Yep. Um, and do it there. Yeah, interesting. See how that and breaks down. Our- for our geographical islands, I would almost bet that Emory is the two seed in the Transylvania host hosted pod, with decent chances DePaul and Berea are in that pod. Mm. All of those schools make it pretty tough to place them elsewhere. DePaul has a little bit of flexibility. Berea has a little bit, maybe less so with Hope, I don't think, in line to host. But I think Emory has to be at Transylvania, unless you are adding a lot of flights in that opening round. Yeah, I'm trying yeah, to think. We don't have a lot of teams down there, do we? Who came out of the SAA? Millsaps. Millsaps. Right, 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 right. Sorry, this is where the brain definitely starts shutting down. Uh, and i got to be ready tomorrow for, for selection shows, but luckily I don't have to be the one who – I can write my stuff out. But um, And then the uh, USA South was Southern Virginia, right, so that that, that team could easily get to Marietta or somewhere. But that can't really help you with the Emory issue. Yeah, and I have interesting. I think I have Washington and Lee just out of the hosting. Did I read that? They're my first team out, and so if you need someone a little bit more southern, they're they're ready right there. Yeah, I think that'll be interesting how they figure out those hosts. The Transylvania pod could be interesting too because DePaul. Um, and there's it's more of a, a two C, but you know they're they're limited geographically on on what they can do. A DePaul Emory f- first round matchup would be rough on both right. teams. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, those are essentially both two C's. They're gonna have to play each other. Right. Yeah. Wrapping up, Dave. Yeah, I think so. Unless you guys have uh, something else that's pretty cool to rain mm-hmm. down the. Uh, I would Ryan like to talk for and, another 27 uh, minutes on the 21st pick. So, <laughs> Ryan and Gore, uh, Ryan and Pat are going to join us to talk a little more about bracketing um, before we wrap this sucker up. Any final thoughts, guys? Riley, we'll start with you. Well, Dave, I, I think we we put together a pretty good uh, mock selection process here. I think we got some some very good teams. Certainly left some some quality resumes out. Um, going to be interesting to see the way it plays out tomorrow, but. Uh, I, I like, you know, I like the fact that we are seeing a lot of teams going out and scheduling, you know, tough 
tough matchups, both in non-conference. I think we've got some conferences that have really taken some good steps forwards this year, uh, which have put some of these teams in these conversations. And, and I think just the state of Division Three women's basketball is very, very good right now. Um, we're seeing a lot of really quality teams coming up from different parts of the country. So it's fun to be following and appreciate you having, having us on and always enjoy, um, you know, getting to, getting to do this. This weekend's a lot of fun uh, in the D3 Hoops calendar. Appreciate having you on, Riley. Um, Scott, your final thoughts. I'm just excited for the tournament. It For a fan, it is so exciting with one-and-done games. It's probably a little more fraught for the participants, but <laughs> as a fan, when you can see update uh, updates, you, when you can see up, upsets so readily, it's a ton of fun. Yeah, agreed. Gordon, final thoughts, sir. I'm going to go a little bit uh, off track here, um, do something a little different. So my theory is if you are listening to this, you are a big, at this point, at 1045 on the East Coast, you are probably a big Division Three basketball fan. And I'm guessing you may be a broadcast, uh, you may be into broadcasting. Do yourself a favor and go listen to one of the best calls of the weekend, in a weekend with a lot of calls. Go to maxsports.tv backslash DeSales Bulldogs. That's the DeSales University uh, athletic stream. Pull up the last three minutes or so of the DeSales-Stevens basketball game. Uh, DeSales, spoiler alert, loses on uh, uh, two yeah, missed we, free Yeah, we picked throws. them as an at-large. <laughs> uh, uh, but two missed free throws. After Stevens missed two free throws, the call from our friend Mark Simon is spectacular. It is... Uh, it is controlled disappointment as the DeSales broadcaster. He is silent when the shots are taken. He doesn't overtalk. Uh, and just the camera angles that they go through to give you the different looks around the gym, including one near the end, which shows just all of the sales fans with their arms crossed in silence as De- at Stevens is, is celebrating at center court. Just a first-rate job by uh, by them uh, and, and just a great – and we look forward. They'll get – their reward is they'll get – Three more games, right? <laughs> and for DeSales, they'll be one of the hosts. But if you if you like um, just high-quality uh, broadcasts at this level, go watch the last three minutes. It's worth watching. It proves you don't need to have all the bells and whistles, right? Yeah. You, you just need a quality. If, if you know what you're doing with the, the tools you have, you can make the cameras sing. You can, you can make the pictures tell the story. And then if you have a quality broadcaster who knows what they're doing, who's not into rah-rah, who's not, who's focused on getting the job done, and they know how to do it, and, and some of that's teaching. Listen, so these students, I want these students to learn too. But you're right. Mark nailed that, and I know that crew. I, I was really impressed with the crew, how they worked their way through the camera shots and got to tell that story. It was it was a job well done, and I enjoyed my time watching it as well. Good Good, good use of that, sir. Bravo to you. Guys, thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Get some rest. I know I won't, so get it for me. And uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you. Maybe we'll get some of you guys on Monday's show to kind of break down what we end up getting from the committees. Um, But in the meantime, we'll catch you guys down the road. Thanks, everybody. Riley Zayas, Scott Peterson, Gordon Mann, and I echo Gordon's man point about going to watch that to sales broadcast. Going to take a very quick break. I'm going to jump back to Ryan Scott and Pat Coleman talking bracketing, but I got to I got to do it by taking a break to do it, if that makes any sense. So bear with us. Going to take a very short break. We're going to get those guys back on, talk bracketing and more. You're listening to Hoopsville uh, Selection Sunday special. We wrap it up. 
when we come back. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division three school, you primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us, to, to stop, stop sexual, sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, there you go. The gentleman uh, from left to right, Pat Coleman, Ryan Scott, myself, a little wider shot. You get to see the fan right now. I'm not in the mood to fix that camera shot right now. So there you go. Uh, as we uh, get back to it, um, they talk a little bit about what we've kind of done there. I'll, I'll admit, um, I thought at one point in both men's and women, we were rolling along. And then at the end, I went, uh-oh, we may not get all of these. Uh, anyway, uh you guys wanted to come on, kind of remind everybody about bracketing and all that fun stuff. So the floor is yours, gentlemen. Well, so interesting this time, um, we the men have priority the first weekend, so we don't have to worry about anything getting bumped. We took what we believe to be the top 16, and we were able to make them all host without having to move anyone around or change anything. Makes that super easy. Uh, we get over to the women. And uh, things are not quite the same. We've got somebody up in Bowdoin, Maine, which, as Dave knows, is not close to anything. Um, and we had way too many teams in the Midwest, which Riley correctly pointed out we were going to need some extra hosts. Not to mention we have to have a Texas pod um, and we got to get everybody where they need to go. So we did add a Midwest uh, host in Illinois Wesleyan. So those Titans can be excited that they may have a chance to do that. Um yeah, I don't I know think, how we want to organize this, Pat. You can go. Yeah, there, so but. what we did on the previous one, and I know we are almost six hours into the show, and I've dressed down in T-shirt for uh, the second appearance. Uh, I just gave highlights previously, and then Dave asked some questions based on what people had asked him over the course of the night, and we might go there. Sure. Um, so, yes, uh, Illinois Wesleyan. Riley uh, wondered if Illinois Wesleyan might host over Carol. The great news is that we have both of them uh, hosting – 
We need places to send people such as Minnesota Morris, Concordia Moorhead, which is way up in the, not quite the northwest corner of Minnesota, but pretty close. Uh, you know, it's right on the border with North Dakota. There's not too many places Concordia Moorhead can actually go within 500 miles in Division Three. Uh, so we needed that extra host. Uh, we tried to uh, work around it. Uh, we're super thankful to get Loris as the last team in the field because Loris <laughs> slots into that Illinois Wesleyan pod really nicely. Um, uh, he was also correct. Riley was also correct in speculating that Emory had to go to Transylvania. That's the only place that, uh, not the only place, but that, that's where Emory has to go. You guys are correct, of course, that Mary Harden Baylor has to host that Texas bracket if it goes to Harden Simmons, even though that's only a few hours west of the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex uh, that is outside the 500 mile radius for uh, Millsaps. And that was just not going to work. Um, and then we had three teams from out West and uh, obviously we got one of those thrown on our plate pretty late. Um, but uh, you know, looking at the options, we're flying all three of them into separate places. So we knew we could fly. Uh, basically any of them anywhere we really wanted to go. Um, Ryan is a big advocate for flying Willamette all the way to the East Coast. I know that in the past, uh, committees have said they don't really want to cross people all the way across the country if they don't have to. So Didn't they do it last uh, year, though? I mean, they don't love to. They it, mm -hmm. it, it happens, and I think it happens in women's basketball way more than it happens in football. And it used to happen in men's basketball, too, right? We saw Whitworth go to Emory, for example, right? Um, and to, I think to Guilford, um, but I decided to try to drop them, shuffle some things around to try to drop them at Transylvania. So like the Transylvania pod is this perfectly logical combination of Transylvania playing Wisconsin Lutheran and Emory playing Willamette. Uh, so people can chew on that one. Yeah. I see the look on your face, Dave. Um, we can chew on that for a minute. Occidental flying out to Whitewater where it's, uh, Oxy Whitewater and then Milliken against Wash U. Um, there's only a number of national championships in that pod. Um, Puget Sound goes to Oshkosh, Wisconsin, where it's Puget Sound, Oshkosh, and then Hope and Webster. Um, we will still probably noodle some of this stuff and see if we can get uh, a better combination of things. Oh, but uh, Ryan, we should also talk about who's hosting NYU's pod and Catholic's pod in our projection. So we want to try and keep teams that you know, just earn the right to host as close to home as possible. And we prefer to put it at what would be the three seed in the pod as opposed to the two seed to try and cut down on that home court advantage. Uh, so we have NYU going to Vassar. Uh, I think there's a decent chance that Vassar bid to host. Um, and they would be the, the three in that pod. So NYU would be playing Penn State Harrisburg. And then Vassar would be playing Marymount um, at Vassar. Uh, the other one is we believe the Catholic men were the 16th team on our list, so they will get to host, which will bump the Catholic women. Um, and this one is a little more far-fetched because I'm not sure that Shenandoah would have thought to bid to host, but they are not very far from Washington, D.C., and they would be the three seed in that pod. We would have Catholic playing Southern Virginia at Shenandoah. Shenandoah would play Trinity, Connecticut, who can, in fact, get down there, um, and that would be the matchup. So um, NYU... And and Catholic are the two that we think have the, the best shot of getting bumped. Um, and so we try to keep them as close as possible. Yeah, it's a couple hours west on 66, Dave, as you know, to get from COA to Winchester, Virginia. I don't quite know, have the off the top of my head, 
what it's like to get from uh from Manhattan to Poughkeepsie, but it's within a couple of hours, right? There's no way to get out of Manhattan easily, so that's uh, all right. Well, okay, it's within a it's within a uh, hundred and whatever miles, hopefully. Uh, they need to start now. I think it's only like eighty. I think it's eighty miles for each of okay. them, so it's, it's not far. Yeah. Um. I know we've had plenty of discussions about whether a two or a three should host in these pods. Um, I'm I'm firmly of the idea that it should be the three and not the two. I feel if you get your one and your two on Saturday, uh, home floor might tw- might flip that and you know that result, and that's not what you want. I did uh, I did do just a quick Google Pat. You can go from from Portland to Providence via Midway on Southwest for three hundred bucks a ticket right now. So. I think we could get Willamette there. Pretty it pretty good be, cost. It may be by the time that you see this full bracket, uh, folks out there listening, watching, that you may see Willamette in our Rhode Island College pod instead of our Transylvania <laughs> pod. I, I may have to, uh, I may have to concede that that is a, a distinct possibility. I do worry Dave, that's maybe uh, too still far. Still in the Eastern Time Zone, right? We still got the same amount of jet lag. I think so. I mean, <laughs> yeah, from an hours standpoint, but it's you know. It's a like 800 miles closer to home. I feel like that's a distinct. Sure. I feel like there's some difference there. Maybe it's not a big enough deal. Dave, did anybody have any questions that we should answer, or are you just trying to no, stay away? For the most most part, we've we've hit a lot of them. Um, there was a question beyond the scope of this call. Uh, uh, St. Thomas, Texas, got a bid. Which SCAC teams do you think got shipped? You mentioned earlier on the men's side, you would probably be sending out Centenary instead. Yep. Um, there was a question about, oh, I did get a question. I kind of answered it, but you know, wh- where would Christopher Newport head, uh, on the women's side hosting, but on the men's side, I thought they could go a few different places, including Guilford. Um, but maybe head North, uh, somewhere. I wasn't sure. Where'd you guys send, uh, Christopher Newport? We ended up putting Christopher Newport at NYU. Christopher Newport playing Hobart at NYU in the men's bracket. Ooh. Interesting. Ooh. No? Yeah. I dig. I dig. You're not um, sending him to Nigeria though, right? Uh no, and um I don't believe that that's without that's outside of five hundred miles to my recollection. Um, well that's why you would fly. If, but if if there is some chance of him coming back, I mean New York is the right place to land. Uh, <laughs> so that would be the- oh. they, they reshot the team photo. Did you see that? Yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> All I know is there's been radio silence for me. Um um, we got uh, Washington and Lee against Baldwin <laughs> Wallace at SUNY New Paltz. That's kind of a fun matchup. I feel like our bracket right now is a little devoid of fun matchups. Uh, Smith versus Marietta at DeSales at the moment, but that might not hold. Um, we can yeah, still I, work things. Springfield versus but, Western New England at Bates. Ryan, I think maybe we can work on that one too. Yeah. Mm. there's. I mean, geography is a difficult thing, with, especially with Bowdoin and Bates and Rhode Island College all hosting, which are are pretty far into New England. It's it's hard to get teams there. And then we also do try to think a little bit about the second weekend, although it's it's going to be a mess if we've got only teams in New England and, you know, central time zone. Uh, you know, there's there's going to be some mixing there and some flights that, that have to figure out. I did like the fact um, Carol can get to Transylvania. Um, yep. So that could be a possibility of bringing some of the teams a little farther farther east. Well, and we were talking on the show a little bit about maybe, or on, with the crew, you know, maybe 
if you had Catholic as a host on the women's side and you had to move them, you guys, I know what you did, but you know, the other idea is you could move them to Marietta um, and, and send them to the OAC there and pull in the middle that way to, if you had to. Um, but no, I mean, there's, there's lots of ways to, to, to come up with some of these. Um, I'll be fascinated to see how they all break down tomorrow. Um, Someone I'm not sure what to think. To be honest, flew to MIT in volleyball this year. Yeah, that's right. There's well, a, there are definitely there are definitely cross country trips. I just yeah, you know well, I've heard enough people that say they prefer one, not to. I think one, the only one that really screamed the- bloody murder was when a team went from the East Coast to the West Coast because they felt that that was a more brutal time shift than west coast to east coast for some reason i, I well there was I also know. one where i think we sent they sent like penn state abington I that's believe, what i was thinking of yeah George all the way to Fox to yeah. serve as first round cannon fodder too that's a that's a tough uh that's a tough trip agreed that was the one i was thinking of yep it was abington out to george fox um that was not received well by some um but yeah i guess it being the the fodder might be more of that factor than anything, certainly. Yeah. I tried to keep cannon fodder. Ugh, sorry, that's a that's a back of the house term we don't use in public. The teams that are the four seeds in pods tried to keep them a little closer to home. It seems like maybe the women's bracket's been more like that in the past. So like Catholic plays Southern Virginia. Um, you know that's pretty close. Uh, Bowden and Brooklyn. I'm not sending Brooklyn to NYU. Um, Penn State Harrisburg at 17 and 11 and like, uh, you know, out of the UEC is probably who should play someone like NYU, who's probably the number one seed in the entire bracket. Um, so those are uh, those are considerations also. Gordon said, why would Smith not host? Did you mean Springfield? Um, Smith was towards the bottom of the top 16 as we figured it and kind of using Scott's numbers. Um, and just because of the geography, we had to bump a couple of those. Uh, so Smith was one, and Washington and Lee uh, is another one that probably is in the top 16, but we just couldn't make that work geographically. Yeah. So I, I think, think those were the two that ended up getting bumped for Illinois Wesleyan and Hart, the Harden-Simmons pod. Most ingenious move would be have WNL host and send Southern Virginia to them, and I'm totally kidding. I was going to say that's... Um... <laughs> So you've got a four and a two, and we need a one and a three. Well, those two also were shipped off to the same NYU location in women's soccer. They could have shared a bus, and I know Bethany Danley made note of that when moving forward. The other thing is, like, you could have Washington and Lee host with New Paltz there, but then you couldn't get some of the other teams, right? That's a little farther away. New Paltz is a little more central. Washington, Lee, and Southern Virginia could have each walked their teams to I-81, it's like a mile and a half for each of them and then gotten on a bus there. Yeah. Yep. Shared a bus, headed off together. Yep. It was not well thought out. Uh, gentlemen, appreciate it. I know you'll have more. Um, <laughs> Gordon says, well, there you go again. And then he says, rough break for DeSales. <laughs> um, hey, appreciate the time. Appreciate the effort. Thanks for coming on too. Um, any final thoughts, Ryan, you want to share with those tuned in? No, I, uh, I, the only one I like is, is when we find a good measurement that works really well. And I think this would be a second weekend thing for Maine for men, but John Carroll to Hampton, Sydney is 498. 
So that's a that's a good one. We can stick them in the same quadrant and make them potentially play off for a trip to Fort Wayne. Rematch for oh, I like I like a rematch in the round of eight or round of sixteen. Hopefully, round of eight. Yeah, Yeah. I dig. Yeah, Pat. No, I mean uh, I'm gonna go all the way back to what Matt Snyder said a couple of hours ago and. The week that we just had in the last couple of nights and couple of days that we just had are some of my favorites of the entire Division Three calendar, any sport. So uh, it's been a it's been a lot of fun, and I'm getting ready for watching you tomorrow and putting typing up brackets as fast as humanly possible and listening to all the complaining. Yeah, so yeah. Well, I'm sure there'll be plenty. Don't forget national rankings doesn't matter. Uh, but don't forget to do your top 25 poll, both of you. <sighs> I was going to write scripts tonight, Pat. Yeah, we're, we're done like three hours earlier than I normally am on these nights. So I feel like no, I'm I know. time to get the, the ballot done. No, I'm going to, exactly. uh, I'll work on that. We, we got the men's projected bracket on the website at 9.30 p.m., folks. <laughs> Eastern. Wow. Yeah. And I think That's... we should point out, I think this is a lot of thanks due to the D3 Datacast and Scott yeah. Peterson and some of these guys were putting numbers together that we used to have to kind of try to figure out without doing the math. <laughs> right. We um, had to try to do it on the very show. Helpful. Right. Nobody yeah. wanted to watch us do math or copy and paste things or whatever. Right. It's gotten a lot smoother. Uh, one last question. Where do you have Messiah women headed? We have Messiah at the moment. And that in that Rhode Island college pod currently playing St. John Fisher, but probably will lam it from what Ryan has uh, convinced me of. So, <laughs> uh, well, I, we'll look forward to see right where now. they actually head tomorrow. But uh, I like I like your thinking, both of you guys. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Take care of yourselves. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks. Get some sleep. Yeah. Uh, now I got to do a top twenty-five ballot. <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch you later. Pat Coleman, Ryan Scott joining us there at the end to talk some of bracketing. Great to have their insight on that. I'm going to wrap it up from there, folks. I am exhausted, but let's talk real quick. If you missed them, on the men's side, Randolph-Macon, Widener, New York University, Trinity, Texas, Oswego State, WashU, Trine, Guilford, Cal Lutheran, Hood, Tufts, Virginia Wesleyan, Williams, Nebraska Wesleyan, Calvin, Rowan Code, DeSales, Carnegie Mellon, St. Thomas of Texas, Dubuque, and Illinois Wesleyan are our picks for the at-large on the women's side, Berea out of Pool B, then Whitewater, Catholic, Bates, Oshkosh, Hopkins, Illinois Wesleyan, Springfield, Hope, Milliken, Emory, Trinity, Connecticut, Mass, Dartmouth, Messiah, Washu, Shenandoah, Maryharn, Baylor, Baldwin-Wallace, Marietta, Concordia-Moorhead, Willamette, and Loris on the women's side. That's our at-large picks. I am not promising you perfection. I would love to see perfection. If we nailed it, I would be stunned. I would not be surprised if we missed because a couple of those at the end were brutal. Reminder, 1 o'clock Eastern time. That's when the men's bracket will be uh, released on NCA.com and D3hoops.com. You can watch the video shows there. Uh, Women's show is at 2.30 Eastern time. And then we will be back on the air at 7 o'clock Eastern time with a bracket breakdown with one or both of the committee chairs. Um, and some of our pundits experts reacting to that. We may get a coach or somebody else on as well, but don't hold your breath. Uh, new top 25s will be out uh, tomorrow as well on both the men's and women's sides. That's the last top 25 until the end of the season, and national champions have been announced. Uh, I want to thank Warren Caruso, Megan Campbell, uh, Nicole Ch- uh, Oh, Nicole, I forgot your last name again. See, I did. Oh, no, it's right here in front of me. I got it. 
Hold on. Nicole uh, Chazar. There we go. I had the S and the Z background. Anyway, Chazar and uh, John Baines are coming on the show. I want to thank Bob Quillman, Matt Snyder, Ryan Scott, uh, Scott Peterson, Gordon Mann, and Riley Zayas for coming on as well to be part of our crew. And, of course, Pat Coleman for behind the scenes. Thank you to all of you who have donated. We're up to $2,300 plus in our goal to get to 10000 Pretty far under where I want to get. We have options on... Um, uh, give butter we also have options on uh, uh, venmo which the information sitting at the top of your screen can do or if you want to purchase something if you go to our show page you want to purchase some gear for our production uh, we have a, a list that go, runs a gamut from things we need to things we just dream of uh, that information is on there an amazon wish list you don't have to purchase it through amazon but you can use that list and send it to us we take that as a, a donation as well for all of you who uh, interacted with us, both on the main show page and uh, others, I appreciate it. Evan says, is the women's bracket going to be on the website tonight, too? Yes, it most certainly will, Evan. Uh, it will be out there soon from uh, Pat Coleman and Ryan Scott and the rest of the crew. But thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We certainly appreciate it. Again, we'll be back on the air tomorrow, and uh, you'll see plenty of me tomorrow. I hope you enjoy the view. You've been listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. From the NABC studios, thanks also in part to our good friends at Sport Tours International. A reminder that if you want to increase your sport strength of schedule or get a really good trip in to challenge yourself, the D3Hoops.com Classic, we're still looking for some teams for the 24-25 season in December at uh, South Point Arena in Las Vegas between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, contact Sport Tours International. Contact myself. I'll get you in touch with Brett Seymour and the rest at Sport Tours International. We'd love to have you, especially if you're a team who's looking to improve your strength of schedule and other things to uh, get uh, further along, as it were, with your resume. So there you go. Thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. And that we sign off after more than six hours on the air. We are off the air a little bit earlier than normal, but I got a top 25 to vote on and then some scripts to write and all that stuff before I have to be up in the morning start recording things so thanks everybody for tuning in hope you enjoyed it from the nabc studios here in the baltimore area i'm dave McHugh. thanks for tuning in, everybody have a good night hope you enjoyed it i know we may not got them all right but it was fun doing it nonetheless we'll talk to you tomorrow